400. All right, I'm going to call you. Or else I won't respect myself tomorrow morning. Respect is all you have left in the morning. Left card coming. Check. It hurts, doesn't it? You can't believe what fell. All your dreams. Yes. Hops down the f drain. Your fate is sitting right beside you. That ace could not have helped you. Betty. Or. Flopped and not straight. Mother f That is it! That's it! What the f are you talking about? That's it! Take it back! Yes! No more! No! Not tonight! This son of bitch all night! He chick, chick, chick! He tripped me! Well, you feeling satisfied now, Teddy? Because I can go on busting you up all night. Yes! Yes! He beat me. Straight up. Pay him. Pay that man his money. It's uh, 3 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this the month of September in the year of our Lord 2007. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. The uh, Rick Emerson Show, live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, Solid State Radio. Thank you so much. It is uh, Wednesday, and welcome to Day 12. Why, hello and howdy. Uh, we're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, if you'd like to give us a phone call, it's honestly just this simple. You call 503-780. What, what am I doing? You know what I started to do there? I gave an, uh, an Oregon prefix, and then I started to give out the home phone number that I had when I was 15 years old living in Kennewick. That's just pointless. Are you okay? I don't know why. Well, did you ever do this? Somebody's in vacation mode. Did you ever forget how to tie your shoes? Did you ever lean down and go... Sometimes I forget how to chew. <laughs> and then I convince myself I'm going to choke, and then I start to panic. Fantastic. Seriously, think about it. Next time you try to eat, start thinking about really what you're doing is chewing and how close it is to the air hole in which you breathe. The air hole. <laughs> yeah. It's like Jen Lane having think, a gasometer in her car. <laughs> think how easy it would be for it to just become wedged in there. Sitting there with a mouthful of ham, forgetting how to chew it. Um, or sometimes I'll forget, like they'll say, you know, I'm a, a bank form or something. Please put down your middle name and I'll forget what my middle name is for a second. It's weird stuff. I think it's things that you take so for granted that they just stuck in the bottom of your brain. Like in the very lowest drawer in your head because you just assume that it's so obvious you'll never actually need to access the information. Like it'll just be there on your mental clipboard. All right. Let's try this again. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Disregard the Kennewick phone number I gave it earlier. I don't even know where that number goes anymore. You know, the weird thing is, how for the rest of your life, you will remember the phone number and address of the first house you lived in. Doesn't matter. You'll never forget it. It's gone. Everybody in this room, we will not spend time doing it, but I'm saying everybody in this room, they can give phone numbers, zip code. 
it, all kinds of useless information. If only your brain could be accessed like a Windows folder, where you could just go in and like, crap that I didn't need to know after 1985. <laughs> Delete. Anyway, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 today. Scotty J standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the, you know, whatever. Uh, the interesting, the uh, observant, the tedious, the groundbreaking, the mundane, the whatever. It's 503-733-2970. You want to email, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Sarah at 970.am. The number is 503-733-2970. It is Wednesday. Don't forget we're here live today, here live tomorrow. Uh, and then Friday, this coming Friday, 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 Friday is my favorite day. I will be gone. Uh, this coming Friday, Sarah here, Tim here, Scotty here, and then my voice via electronic reproduction. You're finally leaving America. Yes. Yes, I am. First time ever. I know. What are you? Uh, I'm envious. America breathes a sigh of relief. 34? A nation weeps. What? Are you 34 or 33? I am 34. Thanks so much for making me say that 34, 34 years on this one continent. Oh, it's a big world out there. It yeah. sure is, Rick Emerson. I'm just That's no, kind I'm of depressing if you think I'm about kind of, it. What? No, he's finally doing it. What's but you've depressing? been in the same place for 34 years. It's only depressing to you. It's not depressing to me. It's fine. No, I'm looking forward to it. Wait till you see what a big world there is. I'm there. hoping to have. I mean, it's a big world full of. Well, the, a whole nation's full of people who have yet to know my particular brand of irritation. Uh, so I can just think of all the people there are to annoy in this world who have not been exposed to me yet. All of the people out there who are uh, right now unsullied because they, they don't know of my uh, peculiar brand of uh, personality. All right, 503-733-2970. So, yeah, Friday I will be gone, but everybody else will be here. Uh, and then next week uh, it will be uh, the Tim, Scotty, and Christian Bowie show uh, with uh, recorded observations from myself. Also, next week, I should say this now, next week we're going to be giving away tickets to the Portland Pirate Festival. Now, even though I'm going to be gone, the giveaways uh, will continue. Uh, the winning goes on even after I have left. Uh, next week that'll be uh, Tim and Scotty, and they'll be uh, Tim will be doing news breaks and, and everything next week. But next week we'll be giving uh, giving away tickets, family passes, I believe, to the Portland Pirate Festival. Uh, so you got to be a, uh, a glorious bastard though to be eligible for some of that stuff. So you want to go to 970.am and get your signing up done and so forth. All right, uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, it is Wednesday. What have we got to get to today? Oh, wait, Lisa Goddard is going to be joining us today about. Scotty scribbled something else. She's doing something else, too. Well, we're talking about Iraq, of course. Blah, blah, blah. Listen to this. Iraq officials, Tim had this the other day. Iraq officials are starting to realize that their political system is, in fact, dysfunctional. So Tim had that about three days ago. Everybody in the country, I think, sort of knew it last year. CNN just now revealing this information. So Lisa Goddard will be here to talk about that. Uh, also, apparently, they're having some toy safety hearing. I just realized it. Yeah. I was talking to the, there was the, you know, the guy who comes in and stocks that vending machine in the kitchen. I asked a vending machine guy the other day if any, if, if any of the food inside the vending machines it comes from China, and he just sort of grunted and just sort of waved me away with his hand. Uh, let's see. We'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum today. As, uh, well, Scott Daly will be in. It's going to be in uh, early. He's not because we're not going to be here Friday. He can't do it tomorrow, so he will be in today. He's reviewing something or other. That uh, we have today's top five top five traveling songs. Uh, terrible mugshot. Another bad way to die. A small bit of Britney news. Uh, your phone calls and so forth. It's five zero three. 
Uh, your phone calls and all that. We'll get to that here in uh, in just a second. Oh, and it is High Concept Wednesday. Uh, so we'll be uh, rolling out a high concept topic uh, later on. Before we do anything else, let's just uh, get a couple of these calls here at the beginning of the show. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson program. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Just want to say thank you for starting the show. It's a great movie. Uh, Rounders. John yep. Malkovich, who... Here's the thing about Malkovich in that movie, is he could very easily, if he wasn't such a great actor, he could come off as just absurd in that film. Because he's, first of all, because it's just the very definition of overacting. I mean, you hear about actors chewing the scenery, and it's like he is he is chewing, digesting, and excreting the scenery in that movie. And he's got that weird accent, and apparently the accent, his Russian accent is so bizarre, because he actually modeled his accent on like a 95-year-old Russian woman. And so he's actually speaking, you know, like some old babushka-wearing grandmother, uh, which is why he sounds so weird. But he just comes off as such a malevolent presence in that film. Like, you... He... John Malkovich in Rounders is a lot like Ben Kingsley in the movie Sexy Beast, if you've seen that, where he's just a tiny little... I mean, it's like he played Gandhi, for God's sake. But he just looks like he would tear out your eyeballs and, and just eat your brain. So, um, yeah, Malkovich is terrifying in that film. Yeah. All right, thank you. Thank you, sir. I'm glad you enjoyed hey, another it. another thing, Rick. Yes. Uh, was watching TV last night. Uh-huh. The Cleveland Clinic had their own commercials on TV. Is that true, really? Yeah, they've been running on CNN. Um, I would, when we were at the, um, when we were at the Soapbox Derby on uh, top of Mount Tabor a couple weeks ago, there was a guy there in a Cleveland Clinic shirt, uh, and I actually, I pointed him at him, like, look at that guy, he's wearing a Cleveland Clinic shirt, and I pulled him aside and I said, sir, if you don't mind me asking, where did you get that Cleveland Clinic shirt? And apparently his brother works there, and if it had been like a less crowded environ, I might have actually asked him if I could, could I purchase that from you? I might actually have asked him how I could obtain that shirt just so I could wear it proudly around, but the Cleveland Clinic is one of the, they had a full page ad in the Washington Post not too long ago, so it's, they're entering their golden era, sir. Thank you for noticing that. No problem. All right, thank you, my friend. That's Nigel. All right. Uh, let's, and I'm not going to go on and on about rounders except to say this, because I'm not even that much of a poker player, and when I do play, I'm not very good. But I will say that when you watch that movie, the great thing about that film is, A, how it manages to make men sitting around a table and shoving pieces of plastic and paper back and forth at each other for hours on end pretty interesting, which is not unlike all the President's Men, which I was watching the other day, which is you know the Dustin Hoffman, uh, Robert Redford thing about Woodward and Bernstein, which is essentially about guys sitting in living rooms talking to house frows and then sitting at typewriters banging out new news articles. And you it's really impossible to believe that that movie could be made interesting, but it is. It's fantastically thrilling. For a bunch of guys, it's like every time there's a movie about a guy who's a writer. It's like, how do you make it interesting when a guy's just sitting in a loft somewhere just scratching out a novel? Anyway, but Rounders is really great. And at the opening of that film, the opening sequence of Rounders, when Matt Damon just goes, he goes all in, and with Teddy KGB or whoever, whoever it is, gets the ace, or the, the ace is over eights, or whatever the hell it is, and he, he loses like 30 grand in one hand. And you can actually feel the hand of the filmmaker reaching into your stomach and just crushing your soul. It's just a terrifying film in a lot of ways. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, sir. Hey, I wanted to say, don't feel too bad, man. I'm 20, almost 25 years old, and I've never even left Oregon. And yeah. by that, I mean, you know, never actually slept anywhere outside of Oregon. I've been to Washington a couple times, but that's it. See, so I'm I'm many steps among among some. What is your name, sir? 
Hi, my name is Brent. See, I'm many steps among some people. Brent, for example, don't feel bad. You have the rest of your life. I'm just saying, it's, I am not alone in the, in being a uh, in being a homebody. I am not alone in enjoying the simple comforts of the current zip code. Hey, so. you know what? I love this place. I'll never leave it. But I am finally. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to finally do it. So I'm going to go to Canada. But I think that's about as far as I'm it's going. A little baby step there. Yeah, yeah. Going to Canada. Know. Going to Canada is just is sort of like. Um, and you do need a passport now to get back. Oh, that sucks. I think you only need to apply for the passport for Canada and Mexico. This is what I found out. Uh, if you are going to Canada or Mexico, it is enough to have the paperwork showing that you have applied for the passport. Well, that's good. But you do need a passport at some point. Yeah, uh, for the rest of the for the rest of the world, you do need a passport. Be prepared to pay out the ass for that, though, uh, if you need to get it at any at any point. It, going to Canada, though, is sort of like. Uh, um, it's sort of like trying, in my opinion, it's, I think it's a bit like trying to get a feel for Germany by going on the small world ride at Disneyland. You know what I mean? It's, it seems like it's very much just a plasticized version of America. And I know the Canadians hate it when I say that. But, I mean, Canadian, from, from everything, and it's not like I've been to Canada, but I, I really am, I am to understand that Canada, as I frequently say, is, is sort of like an America tribute band. You know what I mean? It's, they're just sort of a cover band. The, the vast majority America. of the population lives within 50 miles of the U.S. border. Really? Is that true? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh... I don't know. Go up there and have a waffle and some health care. Well, enjoy the uh, other countries and stuff that you go to. And stuff. That, that will be England. All right. Thank you, sir. England. <laughs> Bye. Excellent. Well done. Enjoy the other countries and See, stuff. Isn't he a good representation of staying in one place for the rest of your life? Yeah. Well, at least he's staying here. You know what I mean? If you've got to stay in one place your whole life, and I'm not saying you should do that. So he's never been to, to the cool. So is that just what you're saying? At least, here? at least it's Portland. Look, let me say this. How can you not leave? I, don't look at it. Take it out of me. I know, take it no, out I'm Brent. not taking it out. I'm just I'm baffled. I, it is a little confusing. I, I mean, look, and it's not like I'm some world traveler. But I'd love to become one. I'm, I've been in a lot of places uh, inside the United States, though, and even just traveling inside the U.S., which is a vast... A vast place. I mean, there's all kinds of places still inside this country that I haven't seen that I want to go to. But I, I remember that Laura and I, when we went to Southern California together for the first time, which is not like that's not like a monumental like let's go to Southern California. Uh, I mean, that's not like you're shattering a lot of borders and boundaries by going to San Diego. But I remember standing on the beach. And not everybody's into the beach. I understand that. Uh, and I myself was not until I lived in Southern California. That sort of made me a beach guy. That that really will cure you. And it feels like the... money everywhere. It's true. You just and you just stand out there, standing on the beach in Southern California. And I understand. I mean, there's beautiful beaches everywhere. I realize that. But I'm just saying, just being some hick kid from Kennewick, and then you know, I lived in Washington and Salt Lake, and it, it, standing on the beach of like La Jolla. At about 1 p.m. on a on a July afternoon in Southern California, you just sit there, you sit there and you go, you understand why manifest destiny happens. You understand why man was driven to go to California because that's where the beach is in Orchata. Uh, you know, I mean, that's really where else are you going to get a fish taco? There's just nowhere. Um, what was my point? Oh, but I remember standing on a beach in San Diego, and it was beautiful. And this, you know, it was the whole postcard thing. The sun was setting on the horizon. We're kind of on this cliff, outcropping, looking out over the Pacific Ocean. And I remember we actually made this point that she and I both know people who were born, lived, and died in a town, in a single city. And I don't even mean a city like Portland. I mean, I have relatives who will undoubtedly live their entire lives and will die uh, in, you know, what, Kennewick. And New England's the same. Yeah. I mean, you know, a vacation is 15 miles away, if that much. Going, going to Kennebunkport and then going back home. Oh, the Cape Cod. Yeah. Well, Lara's parents, I mean, they're going to live and die in Orem, Utah. I don't mean to be morbid, but I mean, they're never going anywhere. A Orem, which is, I mean, just a fly speck. I mean, it's just a minuscule. Uh, you couldn't find a less interesting place than Orem, Utah. 
I mean, that's why they sent Lindsay Lowe in there to rehab. I mean, it's just the it's it's not the worst place on earth, but goddamn, it's just it's just irrelevant. It's not even a horrible town. It's just a completely meaningless, pointless, bland, uninteresting town. It's like uh, it's like cream of wheat with no brown sugar. That's what Orem, Utah is. Her parents have lived there forever. They will die there. They will never have gone anywhere else. And I mean, it's so. At least Brent is a, he's one step ahead of the game by by living his life here in Portland. Anyway, oh, but I booked the Loch Ness tour last night. Mm. Oh, you hadn't booked that yet? No, because um, that's a long story. I'm lazy. That's really the end of the story, right there. I procrastinated. The end. Uh, no, I finally got online last night and um, I booked the Loch Ness tour. And I did. The, I booked the big ass, the big ass tour where it's it's like three hours on Loch Ness in a boat of some kind, which will then be savagely attacked and destroyed by a sea creature. Uh, and then you had two choices. You had the choice. Uh, do you suppose I'm irritating people by talking about a cool thing that I'm going to be doing? No. You we suppose, won't hear about it. And they're kind of guys, complaining about it. Yes. I'm not complaining. At no time have I been complaining. I'm not complaining complain. at all. I'm saying, is there some guy working at a box-making factory right now who's listening to this and planning to kill me? Well, whatever. So be it. Um, there were two choices. Look, if it makes you happier, it's costing, like, like more money than, than I, <laughs> I will ever make in my life. Well, London is more expensive <laughs> than New York. Oh, you dude. I can't even... But there are ways of getting around it. Yes, have a wife with a good job. That's the way of getting around it. Um, so there were two choices. There was a choice where, like, you're on Loch Ness and you sort of float by a castle, and a guy goes, "Hey, look, a castle!" And then, and then that's it. Uh, then there was the one for like four times that. You know, like the cost was a, the cost was like 400 percent more, uh, but you actually get to go in the castle. So I chose the one where we get to go in the castle. See Prince Charles gardening. Yeah. In his kilt. <laughs> yes. Uh, as Eddie Izzard said, you should, at some point in your life, try to see a castle that's not made out of plaster. So, uh, anyway, so there you go. So I'll be on Loch Ness uh, next Tuesday. Good Maybe I'll you. call you from there. Please I do. might call you from the yes, middle of Loch yes, Ness. Yes, yes, So oh, Scotland, I believe, is nine hours ahead of here. So, so I guess if I call you at like 8 p.m., 9 p.m. Scotland time, I guess it'll, you'll be on the air here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll try to call you. Well, I won't be able to call you from Loch Ness because you won't be in the air then at that point. I'll, I'll call you after. Wait, when are you going to Loch Ness? Uh, the trips, the, the tour starts at like 1.30 in the afternoon, Scotland time. And when is this on Friday? Tuesday. Tuesday. Well, but, yeah, but that'll be like in four York. in the. But that'll yeah, and that'll be. But I mean, for these guys, it'll be like four in the morning. Yeah, but it'll only be four hours ahead for me. Yes, I know, but you won't be here. You'll be in New York. I know, but you can still call me anyway. Just call you in New York. I'm on Loch Ness. Right. Maybe here's well, what I'll do. You should call Tim. us too and let us know what you're doing in New York. I will. I will. You know what I'll do? Last year, I remember when I called a celebrity walked by. That's right. Oh, uh, the guy it was from so uh, uh, um, Hot Hulk? American Summer. No, was it Michael Ian Spark Black? Michael Ian Black. Eagle. I can. I get all those guys confused. You know what I should do? Maybe we should, <clears throat> Sarah. Maybe you and I should set up a voicemail box here at the studio. <gasps> we can that actually. That's a great idea. We can actually call. So then I could call from Loch Ness, record my whatevers. Scotty can then pull it off and play it back during the show. That's actually not a bad idea. I think it might be moderately amusing for the audience to hear my terror, my unbridled fear and People horror. People don't look like you and talk in funny accents. It has nothing to do with that. Yes, it does. It, no, it's, I'm talking about Loch Ness. I'm talking about being on Loch Ness where a plesiosaur will come and feast on my bones. Doesn't matter. That's what I, That's my thing. Just being on Loch Ness for three hours, repository of all my childhood nightmares. Anyway... Have we done anything today? Um, all right. Uh, Sarah's here. Okay. Tim is working on the following stories for your edification. Well, Horizon Air cancels about 100 flights out of PDX after uh, 
what are the airlines they fly, not a Horizon plane, but what are the uh, planes they fly, the Bombardier, uh, slides up a runway in Europe. Uh, a terrible Eugene mail lady pleads guilty to stealing mail. The Brits send troops to the Iranian border following rumors that we're going to bomb that country. Burger King introduces a healthy menu for the kids. Forget about the adults. Today is uh, finally Tony Snow's last day at the White House. I thought he was already gone. You know who's taking his uh, his job? Who? The hottest balls, Dana Perino. Oh. She'll be taking his. She's not that hot, but I mean, she is attractive. Yeah. Uh, and I find that she's really smart, and she has that sort of um, BB Newirth like ice princess thing going on that I find kind of hot. So, and she's. I mean, you know, Tony Snow always looked. Didn't Tony Snow always look to you? Uh, like he ought to be leading a sales conference somewhere. Like he ought to be with Zig Ziglar or somebody. Just I'm going to give you ten easy uh, tips for closing any account. Oh, speaking of that, uh, Donald Trump sent me two free tickets to a seminar next Tuesday. I think I'll give them to Scotty. Is he here? Oh my gosh, that's going to be like Christmas for Scotty. You should have surprised him. Yeah, oh, wait, hold on. I don't understand. Donald Trump's going to be here in Portland, and I'm going to miss it. Is it going to be one of those leadership seminars that always has Colin Powell and Rudy Giuliani? Here it is. The, well, let me understand this. Does Scotty know about this? I, think, I don't think so. Please be my personal guest to hear my real Trump story on wealth creation and be trained by, in quotes, four, number four, self-made multimillionaire experts in the U.S. Wait, so is Donald Trump going to be here or just his four experts? It doesn't sound like he's going to be here. That's too bad. Because the envelope had a return address of Donald Trump, New York City. Three three hundred dollars worth of tickets. Yeah. You know what? I'll put these here. Mm-hmm. I'll put these here, and we'll make Scotty do something for them later. Yeah, yeah I mean, because if he doesn't want them, I'm I could sure always a lot shred them. Want them. I could always burn the them. It's just right there, isn't could, it? Yes, I could burn them right in front of you, Scotty. All right. Uh, hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm good doing well. All I'm right. a good doing. I can't even talk. I don't have anything. To, I don't have time to talk and about. You're going on vacation soon too. I am. And, you know, I've gotten many emails from people. Has gotten the word? No. Well, I have gotten. Yes. I have, okay, I, I have received. gotten. I, I have, have received. received. I received many emails I from got. people who are saying they had, that I'm not crazy about the chewing thing. What do you mean? Do you forget it, how to chew sometimes? Yeah, I, really, I just got an email from someone who said that sometimes when they're laying in bed, they, um, they're afraid that their brain will shut off and they won't be able to breathe. Well, that's properly. what sleep apnea is. You know, sleep apnea, you just stop breathing sometimes. Whatever Scotty, Scotty was trying to spell it with like a th and a q and a oh, z and yeah. whatever. But it, when you, but sleep apnea, uh, my father-in-law has that where you just kind of go. <laughs> you know, and then you just do the sudden like, oh my god, and so you just oh. stop breathing, and that's what kills a lot of old people, by the way. Sleep apnea? Yeah, because you stop breathing, and then it causes a strain on your heart, I think, is what happens. And everything just sort of seizes up. And the panic up of waking up. And you're dead. Yes. Oh. Then you soil yourself and go to, see, go to, go to see Jesus. Uh, well, I have no time to talk about anything here except to say this. Uh, I have a question to ask you all about uh, about Europe here in a few. Well, I don't have to do it now. I'll do it later. Um, I did book my Loch Ness tour. I also want to thank the, the fine fellows in... Womb stretcher, the magnificent, for dropping <laughs> the look on the look on everybody's face. Tim, for example, just now when I say the name of this uh, this Portland uh, hip hop duo, uh, Statutory Ray from Womb Stretcher, uh, called called us yesterday during the show to pimp their CD release party. They dropped off a huge packet of stuff at the front desk. It's like five. C- oh, in fact, here it is. I brought it in with me. So I'm going to show these to the room. First, here's the press photo. They, it really is. It. it is gold. Check out the logo at the top. The logo is really what sells it with those guys. 
Are you kidding? No, it's great. Before I even started talking to those guys, I saw that sticker all over Hawthorne, and I, I just love... Their music is vile, don't get me wrong. And I mean vile with a capital V. But, but I mean, the logo really sold me on those guys. Uh, okay, the logo's gold. The logo is great with the little faces, the little Lego faces. They brought me a T-shirt... Now, on the T-shirt, is it just says, Womb Stretcher the Magnificent, and it has a picture of the van. This is from their hit single, Soundproof Van. Uh, and then they brought me a whole bunch of limited edition Womb Stretcher CDs, including Pie Full of Knives. Featuring Pie Full of Knives. Is this the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen? Featuring such hits as Shake It Like a Baby, Calling Out John Stamos. Oh, I'm sorry. Calling Out Stamos. And Come Kiss Uncle Scrotar. Come kiss Uncle Scrotar, indeed. So there you go. Bringing culture to the masses. Uh, I believe at the end of a gun. That is uh, wound stretch of the magnificent. Uh, okay, we have to break here because we got the Lisa Goddard coming up. And if we keep on keeping on like this, she's going to be on hold while we're talking about a pie full of knives. All right. Hey, I'll tell you what. We'll take a break. Come back. Tim Riley has the news at noon. Uh, later on, Scott Daly, Steve Kastenbaum, uh, top five, and so forth. You said there's the Rick Emerson Show. All right, for the record, I'm not complaining about traveling. I don't think anything that I've done it can be reasonably construed as complaining. All I'm saying is, is that, uh, well, I'm not going to, that really is it. Have I complained? Be, be honest. You're not complaining, but you don't, you're not as excited as you really should be. I, that's only because I'm busy trying to get ready. If I, if I don't seem excited, it's only because in these last couple of days I'm trying to get everything, as they say at CBS, buttoned up. Uh, you know, so that everything, so that everything works smoothly in my absence. You know, because I got to, you know, in all, in all the little stuff, you got to do everything at a time. You got to board the dog. Uh, speaking of which, Max will be joining us in the studio tomorrow. My dog will be joining us in the studio. He'll be ill behaved. He is. He's ill behaved and reckless. So it's not that. Because I'm taking him to the place right after the show. So, um, so yeah. To, uh, but you know, so I got to board the dog. I got to, whatever. I got, I got to stop the mail. Uh, you know, I got to. And plus, let me ask you this. Uh, and at the risk of just making the whole show now just about my tedious preparations for travel. So, I am to understand... So, I'm basically using a... Uh, uh, Lara's whole thing is, you know, she just has like a, like a full-on like backpack that she's using. She doesn't have to carry a bunch of crap around. Uh-huh. So, is it best uh, that I just... Because uh, I don't, probably don't want to take like a carry-on or anything on the plane with me, right? Because then that's all stuff I'm going to have to be carrying around. Because we're not going to be in one hotel the entire time or one hostel the whole time. We, you don't want to bring a carry. I just always bring one bag that I carry. I never check anything. All right, that's that's the whole thing. Is like maybe the backpack and then one bag. Maybe. Yeah, you can like bring that. two bags. So I, yeah, I just usually bring like a, a purse and then a big bag. She's got like the full on, you know, going across the Swiss Alps backpack that she uses, you know, because she doesn't want to have to carry anything else. She's got like one big ass like Everest backpack. And everything goes in there. So anyway, so well, aren't you just staying in a hotel? Can't you just leave your stuff there? We're not. We're staying in a hostel. Uh, we're staying in a hotel the first night. And then, like, the last two nights, but in the middle, that whole stretch in the middle, we're staying in hostels. Okay. Uh, where, where you, like, you don't want to leave did your you stuff. Did you bring a chain? Line. Yeah, did you bring something to lock? Um, well, it depends on what kind of hostel you're in, because sometimes you have to lock your bag to your bed. See, uh, yeah, she did have that, actually. She did. I know that she, for her, she did take one of those things. I or saw you should it. Bring, like you a, should bring a little lock for your bag, whatever it is, to lock the zipper together. I do. I have that. I have the TSA-approved combo zipper lock thing that goes on your bag. Yeah, so put yeah. that on your bag and then make sure to bring something that so you can lock it to your bed. Boy, let me just tell you this. I haven't spent a lot of time in hostels, but two or three times I've done that, and boy, that that is one of those things that runs hot and cold. That's either good or it's just the worst experience of your life. Oh, yeah, I was in a blood-spattered hostel in Holland. <laughs> 
once in Amsterdam. Eli Roth presents Sarah Dillon's trip to Holland. It was seriously out of out of a horror movie. It was the scariest trip of my life. Blood spattered hostel. It was blood spattered and literally like it had that um yeah. that weird almost like cardboard press like kind of ceiling that has the holes in it. Uh-huh. Like bunch of like tons of them were broken. I had the top bunk and we had a shower attached to our room that the door wouldn't close and a shower wouldn't stop running and it was scalding hot. So our entire room was full of steam. Not to mention the fact that um, me and my friend we were like 19 or 20 at the time uh-huh. um got paired up in a men with two a room with like two middle-aged men yeah Best and you know in their head there's a whole lot of, ow, ow, ow. yeah fantastic God, I, I love Amsterdam. i uh it, 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 the, the last time i was in a hostel was and, I, and i'm not uh i'm not trying to be uh, uh in you know i'm not i'm not what am i saying you know, goddamn uh, stupid uh, Janet Jackson. The result of Janet Jackson a couple years ago is that now with every passing day, uh, everybody's second guesses more and more of the crap they say. And I'm not trying to be a jerk, and I'm not trying to be intolerant of other cultures or whatever. It is simply a noise issue. Because, But the last time I was staying uh, in a hostel, we're sitting there, and it sounds like a joke. This sounds like that scene out of Trading Places with Eddie Murphy. You know, Lionel Joseph, exchange student from Cameroon. It, I'm sitting there in the hostel. We're trying to go to bed, and I swear to God, it was like midnight. I mean, it was after the generally accepted time. You know, like, there's a certain point at which, you know, people are trying to sleep. and don't make noise. And there was a, a guy, sort of a catty corner, as they say in Kennewick from us, who was, I don't know, some other country. It's not, not, from, not from any place where they look like me. But I'm sitting there trying to sleep. And it was, it was like with sitcom timing, where, you know, lights go off, okay, trying to sleep, just a moment of silence, and then I don't know whether it was like just singing, some kind of prayer, some kind of whatever, lights go out, moment of silence, and then the, and I'm just like, what the hell, what is going on here? And I mean, what, you can't say anything, but it would knock off that praying, there's just no... I mean, if it, it was, if it hadn't been so odd and off-putting and strange, strangely unnerving, it would have been hilarious. It's kind of hilarious now, actually. Just a whole lot of silence and a, you know, I don't know what's going on. All right. All that crazy culture. I wish I was back in Vermont. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. CNN radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Goddard. Why, hello there. Hello to you. Hey, you have to hold on a second. I have to walk to the thermostat because oh, it's I like 105 it. degrees in here. No, I'll do it. Don't worry. Talk to Lisa for a second. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Sarah. How you, you know what? You and I don't ever get to really talk. I know. How are, how are your wedding plans going? Is it soon? Oh, geez. You're going to get all girly now. I'm not trying to be girly, but I really do want to know so that I can see the day that um, Rick's heart breaks right in front of oh, me. Geez, oh, jeez. My goodness. Projecting. You know, it's good, but we're in that annoying relative like, well, I don't know if I want to sit with so-and-so, you know, it really. And how is she? going to get from Virginia to Washington. You know, all the people who live in Virginia very scared of going to Washington, D.C., and it's, it's just a mile away. All right. But and anyway. these people okay. from where are afraid of going to D.C.? Yeah, it was just over the river, but it is, there is a serious mental barrier. And it, it, people in D.C., I would say, also not fond of going to Virginia. Well, I would hmm. think it would only work the other way, because let's be honest, Washington, D.C., uh, no, no disrespect, is really like Dante's Ninth Circle. And isn't it? I mean, come on. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, I mean, it really, that's, but, it, but it's the Ninth Circle where it's just the place where muggers and pickpockets go. We are disenfranchised. Yes, uh-huh. we, do, we do have crime. I've had yet another major crime incident in my life in the last week. It's true. Really? Please just share the details with us. Well, a, fr- a friend of mine was actually attacked at knife point. Oh, that's less funny than I thought it would no, be. No, it's much less funny than you thought. I thought it was like, oh, you know, hey, somebody broke a window in my car. No, no, I wish. I wish it was something like that. No. Damn. 
Carrie's she's okay. She's you know no no worries. She's all right. Fortunately, the guy uh, ran away before he did anything more serious. But it was it was a long struggle actually. I think it would take like one of those and I'd be out of there. I, I don't even care where it would be. I mean I know uh, right. I'm just a big enough sissy, but I would pack and be gone that day. So she's God. she's tough. She's she seems like she's going to stick around. We'll see. We'll see. But you know, DC. I hate talking about that because that really is a smaller and smaller part of DC. It's a, you know, the city is really a great place. Well, overall. it's funny. We were having uh, there was uh, some of us having dinner uh, a while back, and with a friend of ours who is leaving CBS Portland, he's going to New York, and we were talking. And you know, these program directors and you know people we lived all over, and we're talking about the places we've lived, and we were talking about <clears throat> New York City and how New York City. At about you know the late seventies had just bottomed out. The rest of the country was just you know writing it off, and and now like a lot of places, it's undergone a lot of revitalization. But we were noting that in every city, there is always one section of the city that everybody just throws up their hands and they just sort of throw it to the dogs. Do you know what I mean? It's true. Uh, and yeah. DC does seem like every place else to have that. You know, there's there's the A section of DC probably where they just have sort of they've just given up and they're just going to let all the crime happen there and they're going to triage it and focus on the rest of the city. And that's where they let Marion Barry continue to be elected. <laughs> well done. Bada bing. Uh, hey, before I get any further, are you going to be on tomorrow? I will be here tomorrow, yes. Okay, because uh, tomorrow will be the last time you and I talk uh, until uh, the week of the 24th. I will be oh, gone. Oh, no kidding. Yes. Wow. How be, about that? I will be in absentia, as they say, uh, <laughs> for as of Friday, then through next week. But not in loco parentis. No. Well, Lisa, have you been to uh, Wait, uh, London? In absentia is wrong. What I mean is incommunicado. Yes, what does in absentia mean? In absentia means like if I'm, okay, right. Are you... if I'm doing it from Europe, then you it's in absentia. You actually have a piece of paper that represents what you would say in, in absentia. Well, I'm going to be communicating with the with the audience via voicemail messages, so that is technically it is correct. It is in absentia. Yeah. Hey, Sarah, I missed miss what you said, though. Europe? Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, Rick's going to London. Did he tell you that? No kidding. Yes, I am going it's to London. It's his first time out of the country. It's all very exciting. I remember this now. We, have, we, we did brush over this yes so i'm going to uh i'm going to england uh sarah's going to be in uh, new york and then we'll uh it will be in best of and so forth so, oh, we'll be, that's fantastic. so if you don't hear from us for like a week it's not that we're all dead i mean okay, it, okay. it could be but that would just be a coincidence wow i'm glad you warned me that's gonna that week's not gonna be any fun well you know just right. you know you know absence makes the blah blah blah, grow, blah, blah, blah. Grow something or other <laughs> hey is it let me ask you this. I was going to talk to you about Iraq, as I am legally required to do, but are they holding some sort of hearing today about the fact that everything from China is filled with lead and hate? <laughs> and also hate. Yes, it is. They have been able to transmogrify hate into an actual substance that is in our toys. Uh, yeah, they, they've had a very serious hearing. It, it ended just in a, about an hour or so ago on toy safety. And what I think everyone expected, the, the CEO of Mattel was there, also the, the head of Toys R Us. Everyone was waiting for, for those two guys primarily to come and uh, really get a licking from the Senate. But instead, I think actually it's the Consumer Product Safety Commission, which is the agency tasked with inspecting toys, uh, which really was slammed. And, in fact, the head of the Consumer Product Safety Commission really wasn't able to answer some of these questions. Uh, Senator Dick Durbin gave them a couple of lifelines into saying you've had your budget cuts for years, you are working out of uh, essentially an old missile shelter, you have, <laughs> you, have, you have one toy inspector working full-time for the whole country, and, and, and they have up to 30 others, but there's one person that is dedicated to look at toys for the whole country. And he said, I, I understand you all really have an issue 
with your staff and your your budget. But he kept asking. He said, so tell me, though, what is it you would like to do? Tell me what, what is it you are doing? Because we know that there are still uh, out of 20%, for example, of kids' jewelry, the, the CPSC, estimates has lead in it. And right now, kids jewelry coming into the country still. And senators were saying, all right, what are you doing about it? And they said, well, we have recalls. We can do recalls once we're notified. And they said, well, what? You know, you're not trying to track down and figure out what, what the problem is, where it's coming from. And really, the agency really kind of got, got slapped around by the Senate. Maybe the key is just to teach our children not to eat pieces of metal. Maybe that's we can <laughs> an issue. Attack this from the attack this from like the uh, the you know do like a Keynesian thing, or we attack this from the other side of right. the uh, financial equation. Well, We're not all right. Feeding our children at all, perhaps <laughs> people that aren't feeding their children need to start feeding them. Is this uh, just on, on this other subject on the, on the Iraq thing? And I know we talked mm. a lot about this yesterday, but I I saw a phrase here that we had we had this in our news the other day, and it popped up again today where it says that. Um, he says, it is a healthy sign in Iraq that the country's officials are starting to realize that their political system is, in fact, dysfunctional. Which mm-hmm. sounds sort of like when you catch your dad drinking uh, his Stetson cologne straight out of the bottle, that that's a good sign because it means that he's at rock bottom and things will turn around any day now. <laughs> that's the first time I've heard that particular analogy. But that, the argument is, I don't think people would say that that's a perfect analogy, but the argument is not too far afield from that. The argument is that at least the Iraqi government realizes the bad shape that it's in right now, and they are starting to try and climb out uh, from that, I guess you could call it chasm. They kept, report, kept pointing to, for example, the five, five of the top political leaders in Iraq, uh, really, who are more behind the scenes folks. Their political system is different than ours. The top folks in the party aren't necessarily the ones who've been elected to office. And we've talked about that before. It sort of makes sense. The ones elected to office uh, seem to be assassinated more often. Does it, I mean, so, I don't... But anyways, these five top leaders are now talking about talking. So it is a first step, but... I'm not trying to oversimplify this, but I mean, really, right. anybody with, uh, you know, let's say anybody... with quite ba- a statement, yeah. Anybody who has basic cable and can watch CNN sort of figured out, uh, I don't know, like two and a half years ago that the Iraq government has not really got their ducks in a row. I mean, I just... Right. I guess maybe it is all a, a, a from one's I mean, perspective. This, from this one's... summer has certainly been even tougher for the Iraqi government because they've seen, I think, 17 out of 35 cabinet ministers walk out of the government. Huh. You know, so that's that's tough. That, that makes it difficult. But but all of this essentially is political gamesmanship inside Iraq. It's not that these ministers are never going to work with the government. It's that they're all trying to get power. And you know, you could look at them as, as children who are trying to get attention by pulling off some stunt. Well, these ministers and their parties are trying to get attention by withholding their votes and, and making the government uh, really precarious without them. So they're trying to make their own political power worth more by walking out. You know, it just—it seems like they are just holding their breath and stamping their feet. You know, to to paraphrase P.J. O'Rourke, it seems like giving the Iraqi government uh, any power right now is like giving whiskey and car keys to a 15-year-old. But <laughs> well, all right. Uh, hey, but real quickly, we got to run here in a second. But uh, if if you don't have this today, we can talk about tomorrow. Is there anything uh, in your estimation I need to see while I'm in London? Oh, you know, I've never been to London either. Ah, so I know there is a Goddard's House of uh-huh. Pies. A Goddard's House of Pies? Doesn't that sound great? Any kind of any house of pie just sounds fantastic. Are, are you of the pie house Goddard's or? Hopes, 
I don't know. I I am the you know uh, the the original Goddard, George Goddard. Actually, it was Albert Goddard uh, was was a, a British horse jockey who came over. Little guy. It's all very interesting. Little British guy. Maybe he made pies as well. I could see a little little British well, guy making pies. If I visit Goddard's house of pies, I'll get you a shirt or something. That would be awesome. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow, Lisa. Okay, thanks. Here you go, Lisa Goddard, ladies and gentlemen, on the hill. You still have to find Goddard's house of pies. Are you kidding? Come on, that's great. Goddard's house of pies. Uh, it's not a house of pies. It is a pie full of knives. It was the CD release party for our good friends, uh, Woom Stretch of the Magnificent last night, which Scotty has spelled W-O-O-M. You know, Scotty has children, and he can't spell Woom correctly. Um, hey, hello, sir. Hello? Hi. Hey, yeah, I was at the, uh, the Woom Stretch CD release party last night yes, at the Town Lounge over by Civic Stadium. Was it badass? Um, well, first was of it, all, I didn't it, really know what it was going to be. I got invited by some friends that I used to work with at a library. Was it and, disturbing? Uh, um, yeah, they had a they had a mannequin that had this giant gaping vagina that they shot candy out of okay, all over the I, audience. I, I think I have to believe that. Uh, sadly. <laughs> okay. So, so the, let me just say this: there was a uh, a mannequin with an anatomically a, correct an anatomically an anatomically correct mannequin. That, yes. as you said, had at least one gaping region from which candy, okay, from which candy was shot at the audience. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those mixed bags full of dots and fun little lollipops. Um, right out of the, the orifice of a mannequin. That's fantastic. Yes. And then on stage they had just babies, like just little toy babies uh, that they kept throwing at the audience. Excellent. Well, they're all class, those guys. Yeah. Well, and then... Strippers came out halfway through. Well, of course, it's Portland. Yeah. At any, at any, look, you could go to the average church service in Portland about right around the time of the communion. Some strippers well, will come out. Oh, and they were very adamant about tipping because I guess the strippers were doing it for free. So, <laughs> um, well, I admire just, anybody that can get strippers to show up for free. Well, right, and I, it, it, anyway, it's just two white guys. They're wearing fake mustaches and yeah. rapping much akin to the Beastie Boys. No, just, they have. In fact, one of their earliest singles was this song called uh, No Sleep Till Gresham, which is kind of great and terrible all at once. <laughs> yeah, they sang a song last night about Dimetap and Billy Ocean. Excellent. It's, yeah, so it was, it, was, it was interesting, to say the least. You sound really puzzled by the whole thing more than anything. Well, you know, they, well, yeah. Okay. I, 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 they are giving out free CDs, and I didn't take one, so that should tell you about my excitement level. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah, bye-bye. All right, there you go. Fantastic. Well, there you go. All right. Uh, hey, speaking of free things, so I got these Donald Trump tickets. Uh, we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum. Oh, yes. I, uh, I'm unclear about whether Trump is going to be there. Let's see here. Portland, Oregon, NBC Suites, Portland, Tuesday, October 2nd. Well, that's not even while I'm gone. That's that's after I'm. After oh, October second, yeah. Jesus, eight a.m. to five thirty p.m. What what could possibly take? Do they give you lunch? Nine and a half hours. I would hope so. It says, "Please be my personal guest and hear my real Trump story on wealth creation." This doesn't sound like it was. This sounds like it was written by someone in Japan. Please to hear my real Trump story, uh, and to be trained by four in quotes. I don't feel good about this. Just just the incorrect usage of quotation marks here makes me feel bad about this. Be trained by four, in quotes, self-made multimillionaire experts in the U.S. They will share with you unique wealth-creating secrets, uh, incorrectly punctuated, and strategies. As my special VIP guest, I have enclosed two personal guest tickets, and you will receive a special gift, a complimentary edition of Trump, Think Like a Billionaire. The... Oh, Scotty already has that book. And then it says the tuition fee of $150 is waived for you. 
At this once-in-a-lifetime financial conference, you will learn how to, one, regularly buy real estate for 45% below value, find income-generating property. The punctuation in this is atrocious. Make money in the stock market, whether it's going up, down, or sideways. Attract anything with... This is uh, capitalized, so you know it's probably trademarked as well. The secret laws of automatic automatic prosperity. Is this going to be like that nutcase thing on Oprah about, like, just stare at the necklace and it will appear in your pocket? Um, cash in on the new billion-dollar book. It's like someone stripped all the hyphens out of his brain. All right, well, whatever. So there are these tickets to this Trump thing. So it, it, it... Oh, listen to this. Okay. Then at the bottom, it answers the question we all want to know about whether Trump will be there or not. Um, before I do that, Tim, why did you get these? Do you know? Like, did you... They came in the mail. Now, do you know, are you on a list for some... Is this because you're a realtor? I'm sorry, slumlord? Uh, probably. All right, there you go. That explains it. Scotty, to answer your question, uh, let's see. Make Tuesday, October 2nd, the day you put your financial house in order, and then in the smallest type imaginable, Donald will be here recorded live. So there you go. Donald will be here recorded oh, please, live. Let me see that. What does that even mean? He will be here recorded live. His... Oh my God, that is so small. Yeah, it's like you. I don't even know what that. What that. Means. Donald will be here recorded live. It's completely puzzling. Recorded live. Yeah, there's no. That's an oxymoron, isn't it? It is. It uh, that means uh, nothing. That doesn't mean anything at all. This is really shoddy paper too. Yes, yes it is. That's the high quality mark of. Uh, Donald Trump, the 24-hour you know, conferences keyboard. at hotels just depress me. Yeah. Just the thought of them. Because uh, mm-hmm. usually if you go to one of those, it's like some, I'm not saying this is that. I'm saying in my experience, most of those things are like some weird multi-level triangulation Ponzi scheme thing. Well, once I went to, I think it was uh, the Portland Association of Broadcasters or one of those things yeah. here, and it, we were sitting in a conference room some hotel downtown, and this woman had this huge boombox box. The size of a large dog uh, playing air checks from the 1980s. Oh, God. And you just expect David Brent to show up with a backward baseball cap at any minute? I'm going to make you a winner. All right. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From New York City, soon to be the home of Sarah Dillon for a week, CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing good, and I'm honored because I'm Sarah Dillon's only friend on Facebook. <laughs> I have two more now. I'm trying to figure this thing out. Now, Facebook, apparently, uh, Sarah told me that she was like, Steve Kastenbaum asked me to be his Facebook friend. And I noted... It's so exciting. It, I got some uh, focus group research thing from some, I don't know, some guy. Some guy who works in an office that I'll never meet at CBS sends out these, you know, what is your audience spending their money on? One of those focus group things where they tell you, like, I don't know, how to... I don't know how, how to how to wring cash out of your audience or something, but it was it was some sort of uh, some sort of survey about what people did, and apparently Facebook is the new MySpace for the young people. I think it's the new the new MySpace for people of, of varying generations. I'm seeing folks of all different ages on there. I don't even know what it is. How is it different from MySpace? It's very complicated. I, I can't figure out how to work it, and it looks like your everyone can see your inbox, and you can't really change it. I'm having a hell of a time with it. Yeah, it's really complicated. So, but I mean, what what is the point? Like, why why would you use fun of me. <laughs> math? Is no, hard. no, no, it is. <laughs> why would you use uh, Facebook and not MySpace? Sarah, you want to take that one? Or I'm not. I being... don't, MySpace just seems really messy. There's too much going on. It seems like there are too many viruses and stuff. This one is just kind of clean and right not, there. It's like I'm not picture what you do, who your friends are. I mean, it's, just, I, it's just like basic. I'm not down on Facebook. I just don't understand it. I don't. Uh, I don't. So, t- so let me ask you this: as, as a user, both Steve, uh, does Facebook do something MySpace doesn't do? 
I think it kind of does because you have this networking thing, and I'm just figuring this out now, where you can, you know, you, you join, you can look into networks, like I'm in the CNN and the Turner Broadcasting Network, so I can find people who work at CNN or who work at Turner. And then you can find people according to the schools that they graduated from. So it's more about like a, your, you know, like a, a life's path type social networking page as opposed to MySpace where a lot of people just hook up through, through friends or friends or through music they like. I think that's the difference, right? I would think so, yeah, because it seems to be a lot more regimented. You can't look at anybody's profiles unless you're in their network. Well, apparently uh, they said that I read some study the other day that the high school kids are now defecting from MySpace. Uh, MySpace usage among high school kids is down like 30% because their parents are all on it. That's why. Uh, and now they're all going over to, to Facebook. I mean, was Facebook. I thought Facebook was the one that you, you I thought it was for like high school. Be, yeah, you had to be a student. School. I thought Facebook was the one you had to be like a high schooler to use. You used to have to be uh, a college or a high school student to use Facebook, but they just recently expanded it so that you can do it according to a workplace. So let's say your radio station is owned by... Uh, a major broadcasting company, then you could sign on via that or some other network, uh, uh, some sort of network that you belong to. So this is so Opie and Anthony and I can have long conversations about something or other. Exactly. Yeah, because I'm part of the CBS radio network. Yeah. Now. You and Les Moonves can have many long, interesting conversations about the, you know, whatever. <laughs> this one doesn't seem as, as pedophile-friendly as MySpace would be, too. Moo. Did I hit a topic? <laughs> no, Did you say Moo? <laughs> No, I said ooh. Uh, you said moo. I said ooh. Uh-huh. I think that was... Uh, no, you didn't hit a topic. That's just a funny phrase. This doesn't seem quite as pedophile-friendly. Like, yeah, you know, You almost a... phrased it as like some sort of a problem you had with the service. Like it was <laughs> it was a feature it was lacking that you were looking for. Well, well isn't that the thing with MySpace that it's like, uh, you know, the... Uh, I don't know, Steve. Is it... ...roving territory for pedophiles. They're always arresting guys who, who hook up with teenagers uh, via their MySpace web pages. I don't know, Steve. Sounds like you might be the expert on this. Maybe you Not can... me. I'm reporting on them. I'm reporting I'm on just, I'm just screwing with you. Mean. No, it's hilarious. It's just, it's just funny. And you did say moo, incidentally. Did I really? Yeah. That's okay. Don't worry about it. I say crap doesn't make any sense about 90% of the time. Okay. Um, all right. So, let's... Yeah, this one doesn't seem like it's one of those places that, that's as, as frequented yet by teenagers like MySpace. Now, the thing about MySpace is... It, I know I'm. Uh, this is a typical American complaint because I'm making it sound like a lot of work to like look at something and then press a click, you know, like to click a yes or no. But what I've learned now that consumes an inordinate amount of my time on MySpace, I've learned two things on MySpace. One, there are certain things that appear so often you don't even see them anymore, such as new event invitations. I can't tell you the last time I clicked on, let's see what new events I've been invited to. I never do that. Mm -hmm. And B... Every time I go to my new friend request, it becomes harder and harder to figure out if I'm being, if I'm having a friend request, but from some spam bot thing. Uh huh. Especially right. when it's like, you know, this is set to private. You must add this person to see their pictures. When of course you can't tell if you want to add them until you see where they're from, or they just won't give a city where they live. And then you're like, well, if I do this, is it just going to be some guy spamming me with like penis pills or something? So, well, in any event, um, well, yeah. I guess theoretically, I'm, yes. I was going to say I'm done with MySpace. Just too, too complicated. Anytime I open up somebody else's web page, there's so much information on it that it takes forever to load oh. up on my page, but their music starts playing and oh. I can't turn it off. It's a point of pride with me, by the way, and I can't speak for. Does the Rick Emerson show 
MySpace, oh, it sure does, and it, it's a profanity-riddled song, too. Oh, yeah. So if you go to the one for the show, apparently it's filled with profanity. On mine, I just like, no video, no music, no whatever. Uh, be, I, because you'll go to people, and did you ever do this, where you go to somebody's MySpace page, and it's like they have actually created some algorithm to make the type unreadable. It's like, what, yeah. what background and then font can I use, and what color scheme can I use so that no one can read anything on the page without highlighting it all with the cursor to contrast the type? I'm with you on so, that. Screw that. Um, well, you know, I was going to talk about this business about menus and fast food, but... That's really interesting, actually. You should talk about well, it. Well, ask him a question about it, Sarah. Okay. All right, what's the deal with it? <laughs> well, well way, way to go, Bob. <laughs> hey, your host. I'm Button Pusher. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, New York City was trying to make uh, fast food restaurants um, put up on their menus, on those uh, big, you know, lighted menus that you see above the, uh, you know, the, the counter. They wanted them to put calorie content for all of the different items, but apparently because of the way uh, the, the ordinance was worded, it was uh, in contrast or it violated federal law. So the judge uh, didn't buy the restaurant owner's arguments that it violates their uh, First Amendment rights, which I'm not sure how that would violate their First Amendment rights, but the, the judge said you basically you have to New York City Health Department officials, you have to rewrite this code so that it includes all restaurants, and then it won't violate federal law. So eventually you're going to walk into a McDonald's or a Burger King or a Kentucky Fried Chicken here in New York, and you'll look up at that menu, and not only will it say the food items you want, right next to it will say calorie content. Really, honestly, though, and I'm not trying to knock on fast food. I eat, I eat fast food sometimes, not a lot, but sometimes. I mean, really, no one eats that because they think it's healthy for you. You know what I mean? It, it just seems like I guess I'm for in favor of calorie count, I guess, but I mean, really, what's the, the if you're at the drive-thru at Burger King buying the Baconator, you are not concerned with your caloric intake by definition, it seems to but, me. But some people are not as well educated about, about nutrition, and, and they pick up things like, they see the word salad, and just because it says salad, they think it's healthy, but it yeah. isn't necessarily salad. For example, you know, those big, you know, salads in a taco shell, well, the stuff they're putting in it may be healthy, but that taco shell is like 3,000 deep-fried calories. There know? is... There is a great uh, commercial running. It's uh, one of those Budweiser commercials where they do the real men of genius thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, real men of genius. And it, the, the, the one I heard recently was for the guy, you know, here's to you, Mr. 1,400-calorie taco salad guy. <laughs> you know, and it's discussing how the guy has built a salad out of sour cream, cheese, and taco meat. And then, of course, he has one leaf of, of, of iceberg lettuce on top so that he can say, of course it's healthy. It's a salad. I love that commercial. Which I've is, heard that one, too. Well, you know, what are you going to do? All right. Well, we're all going to end up as Oompa Loompas, so there's nothing you can do about it. It's pointless, <laughs> hopeless. All right, Steve, are you on tomorrow, sir? Uh, I am off. I will be celebrating the Jewish New Year tomorrow. Oh, so I will then not be speaking to you until the week of the 24th. Uh, I will be gone tomorrow and next week. Uh, so uh, if you don't hear But I will be speaking to him. That's yeah. right. Sarah will be talking to you when she's in New York. I'm going to be gone, too. Uh, so uh, y if you don't hear from us for a while on the show, it's that uh, we haven't been... I mean, we might have been fired, but that, uh, as I said earlier, that would just be a coincidence. So oh, that, That's too bad. It would have been fun to have Sarah in here and tell you how her trip is going. Oh, that yeah. would have been really oh, great. that would have been so from cool. From the CNN Radio Center in New York, Sarah Dillon. Right. Uh, well... Maybe next time. Next time. All right, my friend. So we will talk to you on the other side of about 10 days from now. Uh, until then, enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. Thank you very much. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. I'm nervous to meet him. I would be. I'm actually really excited. My sister is freaking out to go see the CNN building. How old is he? Do you know? Um, I don't know. About my age? Younger? Older? Let me that? look, since he is my only Facebook friend. Ha! <laughs> 
All right. Tim Riley, are you preparing news for us? Yes, yes. Fantastic. All right. Uh, we're so behind. Uh, I think we need to break uh, because we're like an 39. hour behind. All right. We'll take a break here. We'll come back. Tim Riley around the corner from the uh, Ministry of Truth with your news. Later on, we'll talk to uh, CNN radio correspondent no one because I'm, I'm done with that. I thought we had Jim Root, but we don't. Uh, we do have Scott Daly coming up later on. Top five and high concept Wednesday. Stay there. Tim Riley next. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Why, hello, it's uh, the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. Time for the Rick Emerson yeah. Noon News Hour oh, from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. I'm at the mercy of a bunch of short-timers. Yes, yes, you are. Everyone's getting and it's to... starting today. I myself, I I'm already them. distracted. I, I can't blame anyone really. I, I quit caring on Monday. All right, Sarah just now quit today, caring. I, I haven't cared for a couple of days now. It's today. Right. I started packing. This and morning. you got two whole more days left with Sarah. Tomorrow, oh, I'm no, after tomorrow. I'm done. <laughs> Sarah's got to do all of today, all of tomorrow, all of Friday, <laughs> it, all while not caring a whit about the way the station sounds. I care. Uh huh. No, I know he much. Feel, I know he feel I went on vacation a couple weeks ago. It's true. I remember the last uh, two broadcasts, the last two newscasts you did before you left. Yeah. Just sounded like you were reading a foreign language. Yep. I could tell that in your head you were already wearing like uh, like shorts and like uh, you know flip flops on on the sand somewhere. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Fantastic. Well, Horizon Air has canceled more than 100 flights to inspect 19 planes because of two crashes involving the turboprop bombardier. Q400 planes. Didn't we... This happened in Europe. Oh, I was going to say, didn't we just have a story yesterday about Horizon was slashing costs here to try to get people to fly? Yep. Okay. And they took Lewis out of the Lewis and Clark commercials. And in 2007, they're still using something called the Bombardier. I flew on this thing. Really? Yeah, it's got like tall seats. So like and, when you and, and you Harry Connick in, you, Jr. You bombing to, Bremen? You have to duck your head to get in. I go, oh, my God, ah. am I going to arrive alive in this thing? <laughs> <laughs> I flew to San Francisco on it. You and Short Round are getting on the uh, on the plane together to go but find they, the... But uh... they do make it up to you. They give you extra snacks to make you feel just a little <laughs> bit better. Snacks laced with Valium to keep you uh, to keep you passive. I mean, the look of shock on the passenger's face as they get aboard <laughs> this thing. To... It looked a lot bigger from the outside just window. A, just a whole plane made out of planks. Just a whole, the, uh, whole wooden plane. Yes, a bombardier is highly recommended <laughs> that some of its Q400 turboprops be grounded for inspection. What is a turboprop? It's it's a it has propellers on it. But I mean that's 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 what I'm saying. This is just a fancy way of saying it Look, has it, propellers. It looks like something from you know Black Sheep Squadron. Oh, okay, yeah, I we, know. We use these to fight the Japs. I'm looking at this. Too. I'm looking. I'm looking at this here. So this is. When they say turboprop, it's got propellers. Yeah, that's just a, that's just a fancy way of saying it's it's old. Um, you're right. You know, the last time I saw a plane like this, it then immediately dissolved to like a map view from above with an animated red line stopping at like Nepal, Sri Lanka, Tibet. It wasn't in black and white. Temple of Doom. No. Mayday, mayday. <laughs> Seriously. Well, this announcement comes after a Scandinavian airline turboprop and 48 passengers. Made an emergency landing in Lithuania. Hugo, keep punching in the numbers. Apparently, the landing gear collapsed during touchdown. There was no serious injury. The landing gear collapsed during touchdown. Mm-hmm. Jesus. That doesn't make anyone comfortable. No, and you know, do you wonder if they tell the people that's about to happen? Or, or do they just, you know, like if the landing gear, since Sarah and I are both going to be flying, 
do you suppose that when the landing gear is about to collapse, do they tell you and risk upsetting you, or do they just let you, like, tumble ass over tea kettle and, like, not explain it until afterward? I would imagine so. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Horizon canceled uh, 19 flights today. By the way, just in case you were... The sheets are red and hey, you're flying before me. Where I'm Further and over an ocean. It's true. God in heaven, teach me how to die. We'll, uh, we'll play the whole thing later. Here's Tim Riley. Dateline London from Herod's department store. They have hired a Egyptian cobra to guard a $120,000 pair of ruby sapphire diamond-encrusted sandals at their uh, London launch. They went to extremes, bringing a live Egyptian cobra to patrol the shoot counter. Whether hiring a poisonous snake is, strictly speaking, the most effective means of guarding precious footwear might be a moot point with security experts, but it makes for a pretty good uh, photo op. Don't you mean with security experts? Yes, it looks like. See? Uh, it's a cobra. It's a cobra. The, um... This is like uh, these, this is sort of a publicity gag, obviously, because this yeah. happens every couple of years. I remember there was a jewelry store, and it's always in London. I guess life is cheap there; they just don't care about like there are no rules about where you, where you can have lethal animals. Mm-hmm. There was some jewelry store in London a while back that the big shtick was every night they would just let uh, tarantulas loose all over the store, uh, and then a guy would come in in the morning and like corral them. He would wrangle them all, but that was the whole deal. If you broke in and tried to steal jewelry, you'd be descended upon by bird spiders or something. A registered nurse is accused of stealing pain medication from a patient. She has pled guilty to criminal mistreatment and sentenced to 10 days in jail. Where was this at? Uh, This happened in Salem. Nurse Jennifer Ann Green was placed on three years probation and prohibited from holding a state license to be a nurse. Uh, She stole medication while working... Oh, no, this happened in Portland. While working at a dialysis center in Portland, as part of her duty, she performed medical reviews for her clients. One day, Meyer said she called a client to ask him to bring his medication to the counter. But instead of doing the medication review, Green stole the patient's Vicodin <laughs> for her own use and replaced the client's pills with Tylenol. Oh, that sucks. Then we have this uh, Eugene man bleeding guilty to accusations he stole $140,000 from his mom, almost causing her to be evicted from her assisted living facility that houses people with Alzheimer's. If you have $140,000, why are you in an assisted living facility? It seems like you ought to be able to... Uh... Mm-hmm. To have that going on at your house. Uh, Gregory Browning of Eugene will get five years in prison. He acknowledged withdrawing the money from his mother's trust account from 2005 to April of this year. That's straight to hell is what that is. He spent more than $52,000 of the money on books and gave another $33,000 to his wife. That's a lot of reading. $6,000 on music-related items, $3,300 on a laptop, and $4,400 on psychotherapy. I was. It seems like he has the priorities reversed there. Yes, he It seems did. like that last item, he should have put the bulk of his money toward that. Yeah, stealing money from your mother who has Alzheimer's, that will send you right to the guy with the pointy stick and the horns. There is no stopping in between. Well, he was alerted that the assisted living facility where his mom was planned to evict his mom because of an unpaid bill. Police detectives learned of the situation last year after the manager spoke with social service officials. An investigator confronted Browning, who admitted spending the money on himself. It must be really tempting to steal money from Alzheimer's patients all the time, though. I mean, that's got to be... Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 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 below candy for my baby. Hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi. Yeah, hey, I was on the uh, interwebs last night yes, searching sir. about Indiana Jones because I'm a big nerd. And I read that Kate Capshaw also is going to be in the movie with uh, Karen Allen, which just wrecks it for me. Really? I haven't heard that at all. Where did you hear that, sir? I was, uh, you know what, I can't remember which website I was bounced to, but it was one like the HollywoodGossip.com or something. And but it wasn't, this wasn't like an Ain't It Cool kind of site? This was a, uh, was this like a, like a gossip rag? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it was. I mean, in my opinion, there are two females that wreck a movie. Kate Capshaw in Indiana Jones and Tanya Roberts in A View to a Kill. Yes, well done. Good reference, sir. Well, I just wanted to see both of them die at one point. <laughs> um, if only Steven Spielberg were on your side with that one. Well, that's too bad. Uh, it, well, you know, I, look, I'm having enough trouble with this new Indiana Jones film with the fact that he's going to apparently have a kid. I mean, that right there. I don't think they've ever... But the kid's Shia LaBeouf, at least. Yeah, I suppose. And he's not, like, nine. Dude, she's not looking too good. According to the rumor, he's an estranged son. Like, he didn't even know he had him, and... Oh, oh, the other thing is John Hurt's supposed to be in it, and he's going to play his dad as instead of Sean Connery, which doesn't make any sense. That doesn't work at all. That That's what I just... Yeah. No, they wouldn't. Look, I know. Look, I know. I know that George Lucas is involved with this, and so therefore, I should expect to be kicked in the scrotum repeatedly by this movie. But I. But Steven Spielberg, you would think, would step in at some point and stop this. Okay, so let's list these rumors in order of whatever. So, Kate Capshaw, that's bad enough, right there. Yep. Uh, Shia LaBeouf, I will give him this. At least he's not playing like a cute little eight-year-old whatever. That that I guess he's playing like a, like a bad all. boy greaser kid. I mean, which might work. it sounds kind of cheeseball to talk about it, but it might work. Maybe it'll work. I don't really like the idea. You know, the thing is, but here's the deal. You know, that's to be expected because, as I think many people have noted, Tarantino loves feet and Spielberg loves daddy issues. Every Spielberg film, it, name a Spielberg film for me, Sarah. If you can just do that e. off the top of your head, E.T. There you go. Absent father. Um, and uh, all kinds of weird male power issues in that movie. Jaws, absent father. All the Gremlins. Indiana Jones films, absent father. Gremlins. Yeah. Dad dies in the chimney. Yeah. Uh, all Spielberg films have absent daddy issues. Close Encounters, absent father. Um, the or crazy. Or crazy. And so this this has that. Uh, okay. So kid Kate Capshaw and then John Hurt as I mean it's not like John Hurt's a bad idea or something, but instead of Sean Connery. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm feeling, man, I got a bad feeling about this. It wasn't he good in broadcast news? I'm just saying. It's, no, that's William Hurt. Oh, yeah, you're it's right. Not, it's not like. Um, Which would be an interesting poll, actually. It's not like uh, like with uh, uh, Harry Potter or something where the guy snuffs it and you have no choice but to recast him. Sean Connery's just sitting at a castle somewhere, like underneath a broadsword, just waiting for the call. Well, he's beating his wife. Come on. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. Oh, All right. Sorry, sir. All right. Uh, if you get a chance, if you find that link, send it my way if you, if you have a chance, sir. I will do so. All right. Well, that's disheartening. All right. But let's can we all agree on one thing, which is that Karen Allen looks good. Okay. Really? <laughs> you don't think so? Karen Allen? Karen yeah. Allen? You, did you see her at that uh, that, 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 that press shoot? No, I must look it up. No, you look where they had the shot of her, Spielberg, and Harrison Ford all together. Harrison Ford has had a little work done. You think he's had his nose done? He, he's totally had his nose done. He looks a lot more effective because of it. I think Karen Allen looks fine. All right, we'll look into it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. Would it be on the Indiana Jones site? Maybe. We've gotten completely at the point. I'm sorry, Tim. Not at all. We got completely derailed. Like I, I know what I'm in for for the next couple of days. <laughs> now, I'm sorry. I have no sense of structure in my head today. I would like you to know that London is the most expensive dining capital in the world. Yeah. And According Rick eats to a lot. Zagat, the average meal in London costs slightly over $79, beating out Paris, which is 72 Tokyo, 71 uh, that makes eating out in the British capital more than twice as expensive as New York, where the average meal costs 39 And New York is unbelievably expensive anyway. Um... All right. You can well, eat falafel for a week. Well, let me. Well, but see, that's my thing about London. Not like I know a lot about London, but I, like all pasty white Americans, mm -hmm. have been reading the work of Rick Steves, and so 
Rick Steves, who is the patron saint of all white Rick people. Rick Steves is my hero, and I have a bunch of his um, DVDs. That, do you want to borrow them? Absolutely. You're a white traveler. I of have a bunch of his podcasts on my iPod. Oh, no. Yeah, Lara has, a, You've has got an the iPod. You've of London. He, Lara has an iPod full of Rick Steves uh, stuff. She, she, you know, she has like multiple copies of the London book. She left one for me. She took one for the, what's her name, the Money River Nightmare Wife that she was meeting over there. Um, so he pointed out, though, that London is actually now, uh, there are now more uh, sort of non-white immigrants to London yes. than there are just sort of traditional bad-toothed uh, uh, London people. And so the point is that you can get a lot of um, food of various ethnicities and cultures there. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's how it was even when I was there in 2000. So it I mean, it was like, like not yeah. very white. It, it, so it seems like the food, which is great, with, I mean, it's fine with me, because I know there's a lot of like, it's a lot of like Lebanese stuff and, mm-hmm. and Pakistani stuff there. And... Um, but so I, I don't know if, if when they say the food is expensive, if they're talking about stuff like that. They're talking about higher end restaurants. See, but I'm not interested in that anyway. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm really not. As much as I am just like an uninteresting suburban person, mm-hmm. I really am not that interested in going out to like high end stuff. Like I really do enjoy finding like the guy with the weird cart selling you like a, you know, like a like a pita full of something mysterious mm-hmm. on a, you know for like three dollars. I'm I'm into that. I was into that, too. Last time I went to uh, Amsterdam, I did that. Yeah, so, I mean, it's that's fine with me. I'm okay with that. So, London is our, always the world's second costliest city. Uh, Moscow is rated as the world's most expensive. Who do you want to go there and be kidnapped and be hung it's up the with sausages? M- it, it's, a, it's the world's most expensive city. Moscow? Well, because you get a kind of being kidnapped. Because the, bri- because the ransom money has to be figured into any Probably. sort of vacationing budget. And New York is 15th. Well, that does surprise me. It does surprise I me. I guess because I guess there's also like you got to figure in like your Paris, you know, all of those places places that people because aren't would you agree that there are certain cities that people go to because they are sort of exorbitant and extravagant? Paris is the first one that comes I hate to mind. Paris. See, I've never been there. I hate it too. I have I have no desire to go to Paris. Nick. You could pull a it's stinky and snobby. I'm uh, trying to rip you off around every corner. I have a friend of mine who, who spends a lot of time in Europe, mostly Spain, but she's been to France a lot. And she actually, the, the point she makes about Paris is... Spain's her, a bargain. Her, well, she loves Spain. Her whole thing about France is, she's like, Paris sucks, but if, if, you can, if you have friends or know people in sort of outlying areas, those are great. She's like, if you can stay in sort of an outlying area of France, like a small town, a village of some kind, she's like, that's great. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's cheap. She's like, Paris, it's ass. She's yeah. like, Paris is the worst thing ever. They're rude. It's expensive. They're bastards. So, anyway. All right. Toilet's a hole in the floor. Is that true or yes. is that Vietnam? No, that's Paris. God damn. Did I tell you that a friend of mine just got back from vacationing in Vietnam? Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Where again, literally, where I'd like to go to the bathroom. Well, squat. I yeah. mean, that was that was it. And she's, I mean, she's normal. There was no. And I said, she's normal. Well, I'm saying, by which I mean, like she wasn't doing it to go do like charity. Like she wasn't in the Peace Corps or something. Yeah. It wasn't like I'm going over to build a dam for the children. And it wasn't like I'm in college and so I'm going over to write some master's thesis on. Whatever the American occupation and its current effects on the peoples of Vietnam. She was like, "Where should we go? Well, we could go to Graceland, uh, Australia, Vietnam. Let's go." And then she went and spent three weeks in Vietnam. And I just can't. Uh, I cannot. Well, I guess they claim that there's not, you know, shrunken heads hanging from a sidewalk cafe anymore, or, or you know, skulls all over the place. They cleaned it up since the end of the war. Who was it that was telling me a shrunken head story the other day? It wasn't me. It was. Oh, you know You're what? Looking it, at us? No, no, no. It was a show on this station, and they How were telling. Heads? They were talking about still time to anyway. seeing a shrunken head. I think it might have been Michael Mara on the Donna Mike show was talking about having vacation somewhere one time, and a guy like 
had a shrunken head, like, like in a box. And he says, would you like to see a shrunken head? And, like, pulled the shrunken head out of the whatever. I don't know. But, it, but it, it, Vietnam just has no... no it's, it's not that they have, you know, the John McCain suite at the Hanoi Hilton. It I, it up I mean, and yeah, and I, mean, I, and I know that, that a lot of the countries that we as Americans think of as being... Very, uh, you know, bombed out or primitive or whatever. I mean, I know that is just the way it's depicted in the media. I mean, obviously, I mean, Will Smith actually, of all people, tells this really, uh, this really funny story about when he went, um, he went to film uh, Ali, you know, and of course that was filmed, you know, all over the world. He was talking about actually uh, going to Africa. And he said that in his head, like, all of Africa just looked like one big Serengeti plane. Mm -hmm. And he said he stepped off that and it was like being in Manhattan. Uh, and he said he just had no notion of that because of the way it's depicted here. And maybe it's the same thing with Vietnam. I'm still not going there, though. So, anyway. Well, your next trip. Starting, well, starting small, yeah. Mm-hmm. A uh, male lady has pled guilty to opening greeting cards with a paper clip, stealing the gift cards and the cash inside. They were sealing the envelopes with a stick of glue so nobody would notice. Well done. People did notice. Janet Killinger was sentenced to two years probation in order to pay full restitution after pleading guilty to obstruction of mail. Uh, because of her lack of criminal history and the relatively small amount of the loss, this is very fair, said the defense attorney. Postal inspectors discovered the thefts and uh, were sent to find out what happened to some Walmart gift cards. A whole bunch of them disappeared in, in Eugene. Yeah. Uh, and Killinger was caught on Walmart surveillance video redeeming the missing gift cards. She was also caught red-handed when federal agents planted a letter stuffed with gift yeah. cards and a transmitter in one of the mail bins. Where am I going to buy my Dale Earnhardt touch lamp? The transmitter went off, showing Killinger had opened the letter. Uh, she's quoted as saying, I don't know. I'm very, <laughs> very depressed. I don't know. Okay. Hey, speaking of Dale Earnhardt, I was going to tell the story later. Um, but uh, the last time Dennis was in here, I had, uh, Dennis Pittsburgh, I had made that observation about how even guys who are not into cars... Uh, like I'm not a car guy at all, but but uh, but the Mustang somehow is it's like genetically hardwired into most guys that you got to be you got to be into the Ford Mustang, which is strange because it was a car originally designed for women. But uh, so Dennis had come into my office about two days ago, and I think we'd been talking about that Dale Earnhardt press kit that they sent me because they're airing that movie Dale on the Nashville Network or whatever on CMT, whatever oh. it's called now, and they had sent me like a diecast. Like a toy, like a NASCAR Dale Earnhardt toy. And I'm not mocking that. I have Kiss toys right over here in the studio. But it was a Dale Earnhardt toy, which I don't care about, and a soundtrack to Dale Earnhardt movie. I got it, opened it, looked at it, forgot about it, tossed it in the corner of my office. Dennis comes in about two days ago, and he's talking to me about something, and then I see his eyes lock onto the Dale Earnhardt toy car. And he just goes, dude, where did you get that? And I, I swear to God, it was like I had just given him... Uh, you know, it, like a, a harem of women. I said, would you like to have this Dale Earnhardt toy car, Dennis? Would I ever? And so he took that and the Dale Earnhardt uh, soundtrack. Fast forward to yesterday. Dennis comes by my office and he goes, hey, I heard you talking about that Ford Mustang. Would you like to take a ride in it? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of busy. He goes, come on, i got I got to return it, to, you know, on, on Wednesday. So I went out into the parking lot yesterday with Dennis. And Dennis, I don't even know what kind of car it is. It's the brand new Mustang GT. You know, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever the extender, the, uh, the you know, the genital extender, whatever that car is. And so I got into the car, Dennis, it was the perfect moment. I get into the car, I sit down next to Dennis, and, you know, he, he starts the car up, and, of course, it's got that, that, you know, just that velvet soft muscle car purr to it, just a, and you can just hear, like, the nuclear-powered engine under, engine under the hood. And, of course, what immediately starts coming out, what is the perfect song to immediately start coming out of the speakers when he turns on the car? 
Drive. No, Bad to the Bone by George Thorogood. Oh, because he was listening to the Dale Earnhardt soundtrack, and, had, and it was on Bad to the Bone when he turned the car off. So he turns the Mustang on, Bad to the Bone comes out of the speakers, and he then took me on, I don't know, I would say about one mile, uh, a one mile sort of round trip in that car. God damn, that was the most terrifying thing that's happened to me in years. Let me just tell you right now, if Dennis asks you to go for a ride with him in a car, mm-hmm. say no. Say no and then lock yourself. I thought we were going to die two or three <laughs> different times. And you start doing that thing of like, which is pointless, but the thing of like lifting up your foot and bracing it against the glove box. You know what I mean? Like, oh, God, like that's going to save you. Or pretending you're stepping on the brake. <laughs> exactly. Pulling myself away from the windshield. All, putting my foot up on the glove box, all that's going to do is make sure that my knee gets driven into my thorax when we hit somebody. That car has those big racing tires that are meant to have a lot of extra traction. That car, though, it goes like 0 to 150 or something in like five seconds or just some insane speed. There were moments when he was accelerating so quickly that the wheels would just start to spin and they would actually lose their adhesion on the pavement and the car would just start to sort of fishtail around the road at, you know, some ungodly rate of speed. Jesus, I really thought we were going to die. I came back to my office and just had to sit there and steady myself for a while. I just had to do deep breathing. Anyway, there you go. That's the end of that story. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, I have a uh, picture of the brand-new Mercedes on my uh, blog page today. Is it, uh, is it exciting? It is. It's beautiful. Uh, let me, uh... Oh, this is... Uh, do, you, do you want to give the address for your... Uh... Oh, you You'll never find one? it. Tim has a new blog. You'll never find it. You'll never find it. Just go to the it's, Rick Emerson show. It's <laughs> just for me. You'll never find it, mortals. Go to the Rick uh, Emerson uh, webpage and look in the left-hand column, and you'll find a link there. Let's see. RickEmerson.com. Tim yeah. Riley's Press Club. I have clicked on that now. And here comes Tim Riley's blog. So you have started doing a new blog. Is there a particular reason behind that? Because the public demanded it. Of course. Uh, here we go. Picture hey, look at that. Yeah, isn't that nice? That is a cool new car. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm not much of a car guy, but I can appreciate certain things. How much does that go for, do you suppose? It doesn't, it doesn't say. It's a concept car. Uh, what is it? A concept car? Is that like a theoretical car? Yes. They've only made one? Yes, and uh, that's it. All right, there you go. It's right next, parked right next to a black hole. All he has to do is go in reverse, and that's the end of the car. It's actually so fast that it creates a black hole behind it. Mm. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, anyway, uh, for more than two years, the Columbia County deputies have chased metal thieves off a 400-foot antique Navy vessel. And they haven't been able to find it. Apparently, some uh, people who want to restore this ship, it's some, some old Navy ship, have been trying to restore it. And every night, the thieves break in. So far, they've stolen $100,000 worth of metal from the ship. The nonprofit group is trying to restore it. The brass coverings over generators and motors have disappeared. <laughs> lifeboats have even disappeared. Plumbing. Now, seriously, where do you bring a stolen lifeboat to get cash for it without somebody noticing? And who just raises the, eye, uh, the eyebrow ever so slightly and goes, well, okay, $50. You know, I mean, yeah. who, who doesn't see something weird about that? Uh, Marine Deputy Dave Peabody said they even ripped the asbestos from the wire and piping in order to get to the metal. So they've been relying on fishermen to help watch the ship because there aren't enough uh, cops. Uh, and apparently they uh, caught a couple of people. They say they're into drugs. And they're looking to uh, work for their own money. They steal whatever they can. They don't realize how many people have hurt. So they made four arrests this time. And there are more crooks uh, boarding the ship and ripping it off even after that. Excellent. So that's taking place in Mernier or wherever that is. In case you're looking for metal that apparently is just laying around unguarded. Now, uh, let's see here. Some uh, pinheads uh, sent out this press release yesterday that says... Marking the September 11th holiday in an unusual way, the executive director of Restore America uh, emailed a statement to the press yesterday entitled, 
defaming to destroy Oregon's own 9-11. This takes some imagination. I don't even know what we're talking about. Well, this statement signed by David Crow, the group's executive director, says, Oregon faces a less obvious September day of infamy. Is this, is this about... An attack res- from within our own borders is- to those seeking to change Oregon's view of marriage and morality. Uh, how, okay, I was... Can I just stop for one second? Mm-hmm. You know what's funny is when you said... What is it called? Restore Oregon? Yeah. Or whatever. Restore, Restore Oregon? Is that the name of the group? Mm-hmm. Like 30 seconds ago when you first started this story and you said, blah, 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 group wishes to restore Oregon, I was actually going to say, is this restore Oregon from the gays? This It is. Of course. David Crow is also affiliated with the political action committee, and it's probably only one person. It's probably him. Guy to card table. Guy in the next stall uh, <laughs> called Concerned Oregonians. <laughs> That's usually who this is. <laughs> that is our opinion, by the way. In our opinion, in our opinion, this guys like this can usually be found uh, tapping their foot in their or rest general areas, direction. Or rest areas looking for truck drivers. <laughs> Crouching behind a shrub, blinking their headlights. But they hate these people, mind you. They really do hate them. Of course. So uh, that's that. So uh, I guess they're... they're it, but what happened in September? Was that the, the, when they had the city council thing and the gay marriage and the whatnot? Yeah, the Diane. Uh... The, the new law takes effect. No, the new law takes effect on January first. This is when the. Uh... Oh, I see. So uh, that's supposed to go into effect. So he's all angry about that. He's all angry about that. He said it's going to destroy Oregon. <laughs> okay. So hopefully it'll just destroy just where he is. I was just going to say they spare the rest of us. Start in his neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it might destroy your uh, rest area where you hang out, or, or the stall where you're tapping your toes at this moment. Allegedly. Allegedly. In our opinion. We know that's actually what happens. <laughs> Same type of people every time. Fine family, man. Outstanding. Really? I mean, the, all of these, every time there's a story about somebody like this, it's only a matter of time before they get caught. Well, you know, there's that old thing you do where when you get a uh, when you get a fortune cookie, you put the words like in bed after it. But every and it, it, every time I, we have a story like this, you really hit on it a couple weeks ago with the Larry Craig thing, where the phrase self-loathing. It really just you hear it mentally inserted before yeah. all of these. The self-loathing uh, family uh, family values defender. All right. Well, whatever. Uh, so uh, good luck to him. Yeah, have have fun with that. Yeah. Um, hi, you're on, catch you sooner or later. You're, on, you're on the Rick Everson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. You were talking about loving things that come in a little street vendor uh, cart. Uh, yes, sir. So are you down with the chilled monkey brains then? It's a delicacy. Well, it's lo- uh, that you get the wrong country. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I don't think you're talking about well, that's true. You're, you're well, not good. Well, I don't know. You know, England is an international place. It's true. I don't really know that they just sell that on the corner, though, like on a stick or anything. Really, I don't. I oh, oh, but oh, if only they did. Um, and thanks for returning my email um, uh, with the the sacks of Valium. That was that was very kind. Oh yeah, this is yes. I had several. <laughs> I figured you'd probably get lots of responses yeah. from that, but we're all there for you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, we were talking about my uh, my Xanax, uh, my lack of Xanax for the flight, and I got. As, this is not was not the intention, but I got many, many, many people operating. Look, I have a whole huge bottle of some weird pills that I don't know what they do, but I, they knock you out pretty good. I can drop them off if you want. So uh, thank you. I do appreciate the offer, my friend. All right, here's Tim Riley. So this is a case of it doesn't matter who's in public office. They're going to do whatever they want anyway. The yeah. public be damned. Well, now, after you're saying they're going to withdraw troops, this headline from the Independent says, U.K. troops are being sent to the Iranian border. Now, weren't they supposed to go home? I thought they went home like a month ago. And then they have a new prime minister who says he was going to be unlike Tony Blair. So they didn't really go home. They just sort of went in a U sort of pattern from one place to another. British soldiers are returning to action as tensions between the U.S. and Iran grow. 
They're being sent from Basra to the volatile border with Iran amid warnings from the U.S. senior commanders in Iraq that Tehran is fomenting a proxy war. I don't understand why the... I'm not saying they're not. I don't understand this claim that... Are the tensions between us and Iran just growing because there's somebody constantly on television at the White House saying the tensions between us and Iran are growing? Pretty much. I mean, what does Iran do? We don't, we don't have anybody to send over there. Has Iran attacked anybody? Well, they claim that all these bad guys over there are uh, stirring up trouble in Iraq. The Iraqis themselves they really don't want us there. Well, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not a historical scholar, hmm. but it does seem like we've scaled down a bit from the days when Iran was, you know, storming our embassy and taking Americans hostage. I, I don't think anything like that is... I mean, all we can really say is that they're kind of bad guys who sort of scream a lot and sell guns to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, whatever. Well, too bad you're not going to be in London on November 26th. Why is that, Tim? Well, because Led Zeppelin has confirmed the reunion gig. The surviving <laughs> members of the legendary rock group, the Led Zeppelins, are to perform for a star-studded tribute in London. When? November 26th. Yeah, no, I won't be there. Just like I won't be there, just like I'm leaving London two days too early to see the production of Glengarry Glen Ross, which is happening there. It's okay. on one of the movie channels this weekend. Better about yeah, no, it's on. I, I own the DVD. It's my favorite movie of all time. I would love to see the stage. I missed it the oh, last there, time. Oh, there's nothing like seeing a theater production in London. Really? Is Even the true? smallest, yes. Have I, I told you about the various theater productions we're weighing? No, you what haven't. Are we going to see? Uh, let me just tell you this. Uh, here's what we're talking about. We're weighing this because we wanted to see, get as much done in London as possible. Yes, I will be leaving two days before Glengarry Glen Ross with an all-star cast opens. I missed it in Manhattan. I missed Who's the all-star cast? Uh, you know, I, I forget because it's a conglomeration of the New York cast, which was like... The New York cast was Alan Alda. Um, uh, uh, was the guy's name? Alan Arkin's son, Adam Arkin. Um... And it was uh, somebody else. I, it's, I'm, I think I say, I'm that guy. I say all-star cast, and no, I can't think of it. The big name was Alan Alda. He was the big guy. He played the Jack Lemmon. He played um, he played uh, uh, Sheldon the Machine Levine. Um, anyway, but, but there was like, uh, but there was Glengarry Glen Ross, and that opens two days. And I missed it in Manhattan. It opens two days after we leave London. There's also uh, you know that movie Swimming with Sharks with Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. uh, and the uh, big Kahuna Burger guy from uh, from Pulp Fiction. Uh, that is going to be playing while we're there with Christian Slater. Um, there is a stage play of Desperately Seeking Susan. Oh, that looked interesting. It does look kind of interesting, actually. There is We Will Rock You, which I'm not really into. It has all the music from Queen, but it kind of... It, look, I'm a big Queen fan. I really am. But no Freddie Mercury, it, no interest for me. Uh, what else? There is, um... Something else? Oh, there's that stupid, um... What is, is some, it's, like, it's some other um, knockoff of an American film. It's not Desperately Seeking Susan, but it's like a Footloose-type thing. It's like some other some other sort of teen... It's like a Sixteen Candles, the musical or something uh, that's uh, that's over there. So, anyway, so but there's all of these theater options, and I'm not really sure what we're going to see. The one that, uh, that appears really interesting to me is one that uh, Sarah might actually find interesting. The name escapes me. I did bookmark it because it was a London-only production. In other words, it's nothing... I don't think it's anything that's played in America yet. But it is a play about the British tabloids uh, viewed through the microcosm of a single British celebrity who sort of gets in the crosshairs of the British tabloid press. Interesting. Well, the British press is just brutal. Totally. Well, that's what page six and all those things, you know, they're all modeled in the British press, Mm -hmm. uh, on the Fleet Street press. And so it follows uh, the story arc of one British celebrity who finds himself sort of a target of the tabloids. Uh, And it's all done as a a play. So uh, we're uh, kind of looking into seeing that. Cool. Anyway, so it's not a a whole lot of stuff, but uh, now it's going to bug me about the Glengarry Glen Ross guys, but it doesn't matter because I'm not going to be there anyway, so just sucks. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. And then we got to break. Damn, do we have to break. Oh, my God. 
What time is it? We got a break like a forty-two. Got a got a break like Samuel Jackson's leg. Well, you can watch Britain's tallest man on BBC Three, a documentary about what it's like living in Britain when you're over seven feet tall. Introducing seven. How many seven people can that appeal to? It has strong language. Okay. It's on the BBC Three. All right. Make sure you're watching it. Okay. So uh, that's that. Yeah. Oh, uh, Gresham police were called to 162nd and East Burnside and found uh, people at peace. No, they found uh, 10 to 20 males assaulting a single male. Officers arrived at the scene last night and were told that a large group of men had attacked 30-year-old Yaffet Griffin of Portland. One of the attackers displayed a gun when the bystander tried to intervene. They detained two juveniles who match eyewitness accounts. They later charged both boys and threw them in Multnomah County uh, Juvie Center on charges of assault, menacing, and robbery. Griffin was taken to Mount Hood Medical Center, then transferred to Emanuel. He has facial fractures and a ruptured eardrum. So don't go above any second or oh, anyone near that. A ruptured eardrum sounds singularly unpleasant. Doesn't that sound kind of like a gang initiation or something? Yeah, like he's being jumped in, as they say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but he's 30, though. You wouldn't be initiated into a gang at 30. They'll do a lot of strange things when they're 30. Do they, Sarah? Yes, they do, Rick. What kinds of things? All kinds of things. Would you care to elaborate? Is I there think any it's time to type break. of Hawthorne gang? Uh-huh. <laughs> I think we have to break now. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Here's Baruka Salt. Rick Emerson radio program. Coincidentally, yeah, so I just got that sent to me. Average restaurant meal in London, $79. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yep, Dirty Dancing 2, Havana Nights. Who knew? Other than Sarah and Aaron. Any number of pathetic people in the audience. Here's a... Hey! No, it's fine. No, look, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm the king of Patagonia. Uh, here's uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. You are aware that there are differences between... American English and British English. That's not true. It is. This is How To from BBCLearninEnglish.com, where we pick up useful day-to-day English. Did you say learn in English? In today's program, mm-hmm. how to ask for help in an emergency. God, my legs are on fire! Hello, I'm Yvonne Archer. If we see a terrible car accident, a robbery a suspect package, or someone's been seriously hurt, for example. Of course, we know exactly what to do. We laugh. We simply call for help as quickly as possible. But what about calling for help in English? Which words, phrases, and grammar are easiest to use in an emergency when we're particularly worried, frightened, or even shocked? She sedated? I think so. Maybe she's in shock. I was surprised to find that quite a few of my colleagues have dialed 999 in the past. That's the number we dial here in Britain for Can help in an emergency. Now, is this, first of all, she sounds like English is not her first language. Second of all, where is Rachel McGrath when I really need her? Thirdly... She doesn't like you. No, no, not at all. Uh, Thirdly... You think she'd help you? No. She'd send me somewhere bad. That would be hilarious. Get a go. To Brixton. Seriously, just send me to, to, to go to go to Manchester. And Too bad we don't punch know someone in the gob. Too bad we don't know Richard Quest. Oh man, how much would I pay to have my picture taken with Richard Quest, or to have him do my voicemail greeting? Mm-hmm. Hello, this is Richard Quest, posterior Rick Emerson. Blah. I mean, whatever. I mean, how much would I pay for that? It's like um, 
Do you, have you guys ever called Nate Baker's voicemail by chance? Who's Nate Baker? You know Nate Baker? He worked at the WB. That'd be a no from Tim, then. You know, you, who's Nate Baker? All right, well, whatever. You you know Nate. I do, yeah. Okay, I know who he is. <laughs> He's just lying. You have no idea. Um, no. But one of the last things he did before he left the WB is he had the big voice guy record his voicemail uh, his greeting on his on his cell phone, mm-hmm. and it's the guy who does all the announcements on the WB. And so, his greeting is fantastic. You call it, and it's the guy with the lowest voice you have ever heard saying, "You've reached Nate Baker's voicemail system. Leave a message." It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, what was my point? Oh, Richard Quest. That would be great. But so, is this a guide for British people coming here, or for American people going to Britain? People trying to learn English. No, but. But which English? American English or British, British English? English? Okay, all right. I'm trying to find something on Richard Quest for you. Well, I was going to say we can continue with her lesson. It was very exciting. Oops. <laughs> How do you say oops? Uh, it, was, it was working at some point. Where she was telling you not to dial 999, because that is, but 999 is the British 911. That's correct. I know that because there's a Keith Richards song of the same name. It's the only reason I know anything. One evening when Eleanor was working in a pub, a traditional English bar, someone really? threw a brick through the window. So she dialed 999. As soon as you're connected, the first thing the person asks is, which service do you require? So they're asking you if you want the fire brigade, police or an ambulance. Fire brigade. Which service mm-hmm. do you require? But we might also hear... Emergencies must happen really slowly in Britain. As Eleanor explained, all three services, the police... Meanwhile, you're gurgling to death on your own blood. I know. ...are reached by dialing the same I'm seeing dead relatives! So don't be surprised if you hear either of those two questions. What were the questions? I don't know. Which do you require? Oh. Hello, I'm dying. Sadly, a rise in the number of security threats... The possibility of violent terrorist attacks now means that we can call the police to report things like suspicious packages. Oh, that's as hooray! Well as so during those slack moments between shows, I can just I can just call and turn in my uh, my neighbors. Put out fires in Does she have advice on on something else that's not an emergency, like on how to uh, order, I don't know, an omelet or something? The verb. In this case, walking. They're walking down the street right now. What? Unfortunately, the police didn't arrive in time. I'm so confused. I Okay, well, let me ask you this. Yes. A somebody told me not to order a napkin because that's a diaper. Is a that nappy true? Is a nappy a diaper. is a diaper. Okay, so what is a diaper? A diaper. Well, then why don't you just call it a diaper? Why does it? Why? Why do they have to have two different? Why? Why the confusion? Well, well there's no, only one word like for it. Such an ugly American. I'm not. A, it's not we being, have nicknames for not things. Not being an ugly American, I'm saying that seems. Uh, like we ask for a Kleenex pointless. when we say tissue. Yeah, I suppose. They that's mean the true. same thing. Yeah, I suppose that's true. All right, I'm not an ugly American. I'm simply curious because I don't want to inadvertently get a diaper. I don't want to inadvertently be like, "Hello, can I get a?" Uh... So how do you ask for a napkin then? Is my question. I guess that's what I'm asking. How do you ask for a napkin? I've Don't look at me like I'm dumb. If Do you really think a... that they're going to bring you a diaper? I'm saying... They'll know what you mean. So it's all about context. Don't give me the look like I'm stupid. I understand how language works. I'm just asking. So is I didn't it give all... you any look. That's you reading into it. I'm not. Is it all contextual? Is that the use of all these words, these words that sound alike? Is it all based on context or mostly based on context? See, you give me the blank look. This is how... 
this is how I end up getting in a fist fight in some pub somewhere, you know, because I'm just trying to find out where the bathroom is or something, and the next thing you know, I've asked to marry a guy's mom, and then he's out back, back stomping on my brains. I mean, that's... Formally, by saying things like... And then I'm trying to call the fire brigade. Have to work, Catherine. Today, we're looking at making invitations again, but this time, they're going to be a little bit more formal. <sighs> Let's start by listening to a short clip. Dermot is inviting Catherine to a barbecue, which is a kind of meal you can cook outside. Do they have barbecues? Usually in the summer. Usually in the summer. Uh, Catherine, are you free on Friday? Um, I think so. Why? Well, I'm going to have a barbecue on Friday night out in my back garden. I wondered if you'd like to come along. Yeah, I'd love to. That sounds really nice. Okay. You're not vegetarian, are you? No, no, I'm not. Oh, you'll be fine with burgers. <laughs> so, all right. You might that, be invited to a barbecue. That's a phrase that sounds really out of place coming out of the mouth of an English person, by the way. Asking about a barbecue. That's like that's like a British person saying, do you wish to go to a hoedown? All right. Uh, and by the way, you're listening to KCMD Portland. Let's just... Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick. How are you doing today? Hi. What's up? Hey, uh, I did have one suggestion possible for you in uh, Scotland. I don't know if you've already talked about it, but... Um, taking a uh, stop at, uh, I think it's called Doom Castle. D Doom Castle? Doom, D-O-U-M. Oh, I was going to say, I don't think I'd like to go to a place called... Would you like to see the Army of the Dead at Doom Castle, Rick? Uh, Doom no. Castle, what is there? What, what's the deal? D-O-U-N-E. Uh, that is where they filmed uh, most of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Really? Yes. That is interesting. It's like the French taunter scene and the Camelot dancing, and uh, the majority of the scenes were filmed there. That's where they filmed castle. the whole, uh, your mother was a hamster and your father reeks of elderberries, or whatever. Yeah, excellent. Dune Castle. I'm all over that, Dune. Because Loch Ness, that's a huge place, right? I mean, the, 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 just the Loch Ness area is massive from what I understand. Yeah, yeah it uh, is. Dune and, Castle. And one other thing, I was wondering if you had seen uh, the new episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm yet. Uh, no, I actually, uh, I haven't. Have they, when did they start airing? I think they started last night. I, no. I, I, I caught one almost well now. It is absolutely priceless. I'm such a bad Curb Your Enthusiasm fan because I sort of watch it sporadically, like if I happen to catch it. I'm just not very a, a very dedicated watcher of that show, and that's because the HBO stuff is always available, so I find that I don't really make it appointment viewing most of the time. So Yeah, I'm not a big... I mean, I don't go out of my way to watch it. I just happen to come across it last night, and I watched it. I mean, it was absolutely Sarah's hilarious. a big Curb Your Enthusiasm fan, though. So mm -hmm. I got to... One of those these days, I just got to sit down and watch it from the beginning all the way through. So Yeah, it, it, is, it is excellent. All right, thank so, you, uh, sir. Have fun in, in, um, in the, uh, the British Isles. All right, there you go. Thank you. Uh, all right, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hello, Rick. Hello, sir. Hey, man. I just want to wish you well on your trip to England. Is this a real accent or a fake accent? Oh, no, this is real, man. I've called you before. All right, where where are you from? I mean, you're from Britain, but where at? From Sheffield, Nottingham. All right. Uh, is it, let me ask you this. If you were to list off the top of your head, like the three things that American tourists do that make uh, British people want to punch them in the face, what would those things be? Oh, God, I couldn't even think, man. Eh, bra eh, I can't think of anything. <laughs> I'm American. Wait on me gonna, now. I was going to say brag, but I think England English people brag than Americans. Yeah, and really, there's. I mean, I don't really know what there would be to brag about at this point if you're an American over, like in Europe. What is it we're supposed to be? Really, uh, there's a, what is it that I would be boasting loudly about at this point, except for the vast number of cable television channels I have? Um, what's that? People in England? Oh, oh, you, what you should boast about? No, I'm just saying. What what should I not do as an American? What are, what are the typically ugly American traits? Oh, you just well, the easiest thing I can tell you to get by in England this year is just don't mention George. 
Yeah, and well, or, or, or tell them you voted against it. Tell them you're Canadian. If they see, and then we've had this, we've had this discussion several times leading up to the trip about whether to say you're Canadian. And my wife made the decision, right or wrong, yeah. that she was going to say she was American because she wanted to, in some small way, improve the image of Americans. It won't help by not, by by not being some by not being some some uh, pig-headed Yankee nitwit. So well, the funny thing is, I, I've lived there 30 years, and pe- people over there think I sound American. So straight away, kind of put them in the right, point them in the right direction. Tell them I didn't vote for Bush, you know, and, just, and that gets me on good standing. Just wear a shirt that is like, I'm sorry, like I, it's, I apologize. It's not my fault. <laughs> All right, excellent. Uh, by the way, the gal that was on the infomercial thing, yes. I think she's talking to like Pakistanis and Indians that have just come in. Yeah, it, it did sound like she was, was sort of trying to cram uh, British lexicon and American slang sort of into one into one lesson. Yeah, I don't think she's, uh, you know, she's talking to uh, Americans. Do, do people in Britain have barbecues? Is that what you call those? Oh, that's the barbecues, yeah, that, that took up a few years ago. Uh, let's say 20 years ago. All right, so that is an American, that's an American import. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. And, and they barbecue everything, man. Yeah, okay. you know, pour beer on it, do anything they want, you know? Fantastic. Um, all right, thank you, my friend. I appreciate the advice. All right, man. Well, I, enjoy, I hope you enjoy your trip. Thank you, sir. All right. Alrighty. That's Philip. Listen to these two examples of asking. Can we call you back later? Can I use your scissors? Call and use are both base forms of the verb, which is the infinitive without to. Now let's listen to a slightly different way of asking permission. Oh, Emily, I forgot to bring my phone charger today. Could I borrow yours for a minute, please? Instead of can I borrow, we hear could I. Using could I instead of can I sounds slightly more formal. You might use could if you want to be more polite. Like the word can, could is always used with the base infinitive form of the verb. Could she write me a summary of the report? You know, the great thing about this is, and I do, I do agree with Philip, this is not for Americans or for British people. This is for people of perhaps uh, Mediterranean extraction, extraction or something that are going to Britain. And you can tell because they are just talking about, like, just like the most Jesuit distinctions in the language. When she says, this is always used with the split infinitive version of the word. This assumes such a massive... This assumes more knowledge of English... The, the the Americans, they, yeah, then they expect... Totally. Then they expect like an, an American to have. They don't expect British people to have this much knowledge of the English language. Like, they are polishing... Like, if you are someone from Pakistan or something, they are polishing your English, like, beyond that of probably 98% of the people in this country. So, all right. Uh, well, we're just going to roll through this. Suppose here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, what else do we have to talk about today? No idea. None. Zero. Couldn't tell you. Well, let's get back to this. Okay. Uh, countering claims by Democratic leaders, White House spokesman Tony Snow says Iraq is not a war without end. Amen. Uh, Snow said that General Petraeus has offered a reasonable schedule for drawing down the troops. What he was trying to do was talk about ways in which he can reduce the American footprint while increasing the safety and security of the Iraqi people and the stability of the Iraqi government. This is his last day. It's pretty that... clear that it's not a war without end. As a matter of fact, it is a war that actually has victory as its aim. And victory is defined as helping the Iraqis develop the capability of defending themselves and governing themselves. That is not winning anymore. Uh, yes, indeed. This is uh, Tony Snow's uh, last day on the job. Everybody talks about what a horrible job it is to brief the press. I love these briefings. 
And I'm really going to miss him. Uh, on the other hand, it's left in Dana's capable hands, and the business of keeping the press informed will continue to be the object of the press office, and life will continue. Uh, he will miss this job. This job has been the most fun I've ever had, the most satisfying, fulfilling job. Uh, I'm sorry I have to leave it, but I have got to say it has been a real honor and a pleasure working with everybody in this room. Well, okay. And yes. he'll be missed by no one. No one. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Uh, hello, me. Hi, yes. Yes, hello, hello, me. It's me again. Okay. Um, great show. I listen a lot. Um, Tim glossed over an important point on that mail theft story. Would you, what story? The mail theft from that woman that okay. took the... Can I just tell you this? Here's what... Here, you were say, talking about mail theft. Here's what Scotty just typed on the screen. Melfest, M-E-L-F-E-S-T. I swear to God, I thought you were calling up to talk about some city in Britain. Or some MILF. Yeah, it's MILF. It's MILF. MILFest, 2007. Machete. Uh, I I thought there was some place, like in in London, some suburb, called Melf, Melfest. No, mail theft. Yeah, what about mail theft, sir? Anyway, the woman stole those Walmart cards with a contract employee, not an actual postal worker. And that's important because... Management's trying to save a few bucks by hiring out those jobs. And oh yeah, we had yeah, somebody talking about yeah, that before. Somebody a few months ago, we were talking about that that they are now is, is, is sort of a contracting out and just like hiring they're, guys they're from the Greyhound station. Yeah, yeah. they're just, in my neighborhood. Just some dude in uh, piece of overalls, a piece of cardboard that says U.S. Mail in the back of a beat up station wagon. <laughs> the, the L is backward. Yeah. Just, just want the public to know that it wasn't an actual postal employee that stole that mail. Good for you. All right, excellent. Okay, Thank you, sir. Good point. All right, there you go. Some guy with blacked out teeth coming and dropping things off. No, I know they're out there. Spitting tobacco on the floor. And I do agree that that postal employees are uh, a trusted government employee. Oh, no, absolutely. That is totally true. You have to have the uniform yeah. or else you're not really a postman. So there. Are we still doing this? I think we, yeah, we're just going to roll oh, through okay. this. Sarah's just giving me that look, but I think at this point we might as well just roll to like 20 and then uh, break then. Well, no. you're probably wondering what uh, Dennis Kucinich is thinking. More than anything. Not really. He's uh, making his feelings on the Iraq war known. That our president is not understanding the mountain of evidence which indicates what a failure the policy in Iraq has been. Not only failure, but how totally wrong it was from the beginning. That is concerning, I'm isn't sorry. it? I'm sorry. I apologize. Let me just stop down now and pull back the radio curtain. Sarah has been I'm looking. Sorry, Tim. Sarah's been looking sort of unhappy. You're a short timer too. More than anything, and let me show you how the, the latest manifestation of Sarah's short timing brain. No offense, I'm doing the same thing. It's just coming across in different ways. And I'm just the man in the middle trying to hold all this together. <laughs> Tim is the glue today. Um. Tim is the icing holding the two halves of this Oreo cookie together. The uh, Sarah's been looking unhappy and uh, distracted for about the last seven minutes, and I thought it was something I did. I thought it was no, my well, napkin you diaper you. question. Like, no, no. No, I thought it was my diaper question. Because it really um, does get confusing in England. You will ask for the wrong thing. And so then Sarah just started looking at the screen and sulking, and I'm like, oh, I've done it. She thinks I'm a stupid American, you know, whatever. And so Tim and I are, you know, doing our news. Tim is playing Tony Snow sound bites and whatever the hell that last thing was. Dennis Kucinich. Dennis Kucinich. Yeah. And, and then I look over at Sarah and I and I you know I kind of made eye contact with her and she just like looked down and sh slowly and sadly shook her head. Would you like to share with everybody uh, what you accidentally did a couple minutes ago? I mean, I don't know how to do this Facebook thing. The only people that you know that you don't want to know already know is maybe one of Scotty's children can help. <laughs> maybe. So, okay, so there's this thing to invite friends. I'm like, oh, well, maybe I have some friends on there. Who this I... is your first day using Facebook? Yeah. Or... Okay. And so I um, 
so it's like, oh, it can import your address book from your email. And so I did it, and I didn't. I thought that I had just invited a few specific people, uh-huh. but it turns out I invited my entire address book. To and be every, my friend and everyone Facebook. at CBS. Everyone, everyone in your address book. Including... Every single person, every contact, every oh, like. No. <laughs> every person I've talked to like once to ask them for like tickets to a show. Perhaps every ex-boyfriend. Past romantic entanglements. Everybody. Every like promoter. Every oh my god. How many people is that? More than a hundred. Look at my contacts. I so don't even want to. More look. than I've spoken to in a lifetime. Yeah, seriously. Sure. So you've inadvertently invited every single person in your uh, address book to become your Facebook pal. So they're now, at, at we, as we speak, they're receiving a missive in their inbox saying, "Won't you be my friend on be Facebook, my, ex-boyfriend?" I have 315 contacts. Oh my God! I send it to people I don't even speak to anymore. Some people are in prison. <laughs> Maybe she wants to make up after all. I send it to CNN Radio at CNN.com. <laughs> Every Ted Turner is going to be asked to be your Facebook pal. I send it to Laura Mark Ka- Hamilton. <laughs> KNRK. Yeah. Laura Caviezel is going to be your Facebook pal now. Oh, fantastic! Oh, I can't look at this. You and Jamie Cooley. I send it to the multiple are people that I, I must see it. Oh God! I send it to all the Craigslist. <laughs> and I was looking for a house. Every Craigslist ad you've ever responded to, they're now going to be your Facebook pal. <laughs> Is there like a cancel option or a? No, and I went back. I went to the help. And it's like, what to do if you accidentally met all your contacts? Like, I was like, sorry, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> why would they even have the help? I don't know. Why would they? Why would they even have the help feature? Why would they That's even have no help to anyone? Why would they even list that on the help contents of the only answer? You are oh, screwed. God. You are aft. I can't even look at this. Oh, oh it's wonderful. God. You and Jamie Cooley are well, going to have so much to talk about when you're Facebook pals, Sarah. Oh, God. Eh, I always knew she wanted to get back together. This is proof. Oh, God. <laughs> Well. Oh, God, I send it to people at the Willamette Week. <laughs> uh, okay. I, well, that's okay. But, you know, most of those guys, are, you know, most of those guys, that's fine. They're probably gone by now anyway. Yeah, I was just going to say. They bigger turnover rate than we do. Yeah. I was wondering why all these people that I haven't spoken to a long time are like. Jack Hutchinson's going to be your new your Facebook, Facebook pal. Friend. Yeah. <laughs> I know I fired her, but she really does seem to like me. She invited me to be her Facebook buddy. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Hmm. So that's why I'm a little. All right. I wondered, I wondered what was distracting you. That would explain it. Okay. Well, at least you didn't do the thing. I mean, look, at the at the bare minimum, you did not do that thing which has happened to people, this people in the building, of of uh, replying to everybody at CBS with an email, which literally does go. We always joke about it, but literally does go to like Les Moonves all the way down, like to Katie Couric and everybody. With some sort of a, yeah, let's meet at my place at 7, you know? And then it, and it's going to, like, every single Katie, person. Katie, you see you at Twitch Shores a little bit later. Yeah, totally. Let's meet in Elaine's at 5. So. Oh, Tom Brokaw has just released a documentary on Twitch Shore. Really? Yeah, he was on uh, Oberman last night promoting it. Man, how great is the Oberman show? That is just It doesn't get any better than no, that. No, no, he's fantastic. It's, it's a Cadillac it really of programs. It is wonderful. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we'll let you sort that out. Over there. You got a couple of days to do it before yeah. you leave. You've, oh, that's the other thing. You know what? Thing. And I'm going to look like a bitch, too, because I'm going to not know these people and be like, oh, it's great to hear and from you're you. Gonna and I'm be... like, sorry, delete. Now, I was just going to say, now, are you going to have to now. 300 emails to respond to. You've invited all these people. Now, is it like MySpace, where you have invited 315 people, and but so they you can still add have to it approve them? No. So oh. as soon as they, they can write on whatever, I don't know how to 
upset anything. They'll all be posting all over your whatever, posting all over your blog. Does my does Facebook come with a blog like MySpace? <laughs> so some random Craigslist guy. Be, well, I don't know who you are, but you seem like a hottie. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. Jesus. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I'm an idiot. That's one of those moments in life, and I, I think everybody in this room can identify with this. Live and learn. <laughs> Can't cry over spilt milk. Rome wasn't built in a day. Can't close the barn door once the horse is left. You got another one? Are you, are you done over there? No, I'm, I'm on to other things. A stitch in time, Sarah. Uh, no, I mean, this is one of those things... My friend Todd and I used to talk about this, about how you wish there was a dump button in life. Absolutely. More than anything. More than anything. And then anything. I saw that, what do I do if I invited my whole address back? I'm like, oh, great, there's a link. Click. <laughs> a link to just a big frowny face and like a, like a you know, no. Seriously, no. I click on help. No. Inviting friends. God, it actually says I that. I actually sent out an invitation to everybody. Is there anything I can do? Unfortunately, there's no way to take back an invitation when it, oh, once it has been sent. There's no, oh. I wasn't serious button. <laughs> there's no, really, no, I'm I not. I made a mistake. No, sorry. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know what came over me. I still want to continue not speaking with you. Uh, all right. This email says, Rick, about Sarah inviting hundreds and hundreds of people to be her <laughs> Facebook pal. I don't know what's worse, the fact that if I did get an invite to be her friend, I now won't feel special at all, or the fact that I still won't be getting an invite. That's from uh, Todd the Corpse. You won't be getting an invite. Someone named Cruella DeVille just added me as her friend. Really? She can't wait to be your pal. She's been sitting by the computer every day wanting to know about she this. She lives in Portland, Oregon. Ugh. God. Sitting there in her slippers. <laughs> um, by the way, one of our uh, mail carriers says, Thanks to you and Tim for giving good words about letter carriers. We appreciate the support. Give Tim a non-hug for me. Done and done, sir. Don't touch me. <laughs> no, he's... Okay, snippy. Uh, a non-hug. He, was, he was saying, give him a non-hug. Oh, okay. No, I do take seriously that <laughs> that mailmen must be really gone crazy men. just in the last <laughs> few minutes, and we've all gone crazy. Sarah's inadvertently fighting total strangers and ex-boyfriends onto Facebook. Tim is in a corner screaming, "Don't touch me!" I'm over here demanding <laughs> know the difference between a diaper and a napkin. It's going to be a great, uh, great rest of the show and a great day tomorrow. God damn, it's one twenty. Well, fiddle dee dee. Best show ever. I don't. I don't ever say that typically. That's not a thing I myself say. But really, come on. Maybe we'll hear it again next week. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Well, let's do a couple more, and then we'll take one of them break things. A new foot and mouth outbreak on the outskirts of London has been discovered today, just days after the government lifted livestock restrictions following the appearance of the devastating disease last month. You know, a foot and mouth outbreak, that makes it sound like a guy wakes up and there's like a hoof just coming out of his forehead. Mm -hmm. The highly contagious disease was found in cattle grazing in Surrey, a county that borders London, and close to a laboratory that was linked to the August outbreak. The discovery created panic in farming communities that lost millions last month. I'm really worried because I've got loads of pigs. Well, that's, what, that's not what a farmer would sound like in England. <laughs> a few cattle and horses. And we're getting the pigs ready for slaughter tomorrow, said Andrew, a neighborhood farmer. The government imposed a nationwide ban on all livestock movement while scientists tried to identify the strain and origin of the disease. Authorities also ordered the slaughter of about 3,000 cattle and pigs. The European Union import uh, imposed its own ban on livestock movement in Britain. So, if you're there, you might as well eat it because you're stuck with it, but don't eat it outside of Britain. Now the listeners are giving me crap about not about being an ugly American. Rick, here's a handy trick to use while asking for a napkin in England. 
Nappy is the word the English use for diaper. If you look closely, it's a bit different than the word napkin. <laughs> I realize the difference is subtle, but they are, in fact, actually two different words, even though some of the letters are the same, Rick. The more you know. Right, thanks, ass. Well, Rosie O'Donnell's memoir is coming out on October 2nd, but it's already started some fireworks. Rosie O'Donnell, didn't she write? I thought she she put out a memoir last year. Well, this is another one. It's called, I'm, you know, this hey, is called look at me. Celebrity Detox. The book recounts, among other things, O'Donnell's time co-hosting The View, and O'Donnell reportedly indicates the show's front woman, Barbara Walters, should retire. At some point, a person gets tired. It's inevitable, she writes, according to a report in the New York Post. Barbara Walters is almost twice my age. At some point, it becomes necessary to step back. Everybody has to go. And going is part of the gig, said Rosie, who's 45, and Walters is 77, at least in the book. And I would be less than honest if I were to say that there was no trouble between Barbara and I. I mean, our differences were obvious. Uh, Walters, who also uh, read the book, expressed a reaction in a statement on Access Hollywood. Uh, Rosie has written a very sad book. But I chose to focus on the happier times we had and the happy times we hope to have in the future. Uh, a publicist for O'Donnell told Access, Rosie loves Barbara, always will, always will. Uh, this email says, on MySpace, you can block someone after inviting them and they disappear and your existence is unknown to them. Facebook could be the same. Is it? <laughs> no. Okay. Thanks, sir. Right, let's do one more. Has there been right. any response so far? Just from Corella DeVille, I think. Or is that code for someone that we know? I now have five friends. <laughs> Do you know any of them? I know all of them actually so okay. far. So there's no one no but one, one has... of them I haven't spoken to in about two years. Is it an unpleasant having spoken to? No, he just to? moved away and I haven't seen him in a really long time. Can well, I tell you there's a silver lining. I had a weird dream the other night and Delane was in it. Your friend Delane. Yeah? It wasn't like a sexy dream or anything. And she was only no, not a phone booth dream? No, it was thanks. It wasn't a uh it was she was she was just like a cameo. It's like I I was just walking down the street. I shouldn't even tell you the rest of this. I want to hear the rest. No, I was just walking in the street, and Delane, uh, who's a college friend of Sarah's who just moved to Wenatchee, where all the fun is, uh, she was just across the street, but she was pregnant. How weird is that? In the dream. Well, because I just told you yesterday that Delane saw Christina, and she was pregnant. That's was it last right. night? It was, actually. So that, exactly that would probably explain. Right. just morphing that story into two different things in my head. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Well, a noted expert says uh, Britney Spears is in desperate need of intervention. She hasn't been ready for years to be in the public eye. She is somebody who is just, she is a mess. And there's definitely psychological underpinnings going on to why she is behaving the way she is. Wait, now, did you identify who that is just now? This is psychologist Cooper Lawrence. Oh, I thought it was somebody we were supposed to know. All right. Now you do. Uh, Miss Lawrence says Britney Spears not only desires the attention, she makes sure she gets it. She is an adult who's unwilling to get therapy. She keeps putting herself out there. I've worked at channels where you get a fax in the morning. Britney's going to be here. Go send your cameras. And then she acts like, what are you doing here? So she's courting this just as much as we are interested in watching her. Uh, this email says, Rick, is Rosie's memoir just a big list of things she's eaten? That would be a great memoir. <laughs> that would things be I've eaten by Rosie O'Donnell. Like, as he said, it would be a ten-volume epic. Uh, all right. Who wants to take a break? I do. Okay. I will. Take a little break here. Sure. Uh, why, hello. It's the Rickerson Radio Program. Uh, here's what's coming up. Top five travel songs of all time. Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com. More from Tim Riley. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Here's the business. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
Mark Emerson radio program. You know, I haven't had my uh, caffeine again. I don't even know where my coffee cup is. You're a little safety today. God Almighty. Well, this is not like me. You know, I've been getting here early, and I've been drinking caffeine early in the morning, so it's thrown off my whole caffeine intake schedule. I don't know where my coffee cup went. There's no Viso in here. Who are you? Uh, okay, well, I'm going to have to figure something out. This isn't going to work. This cannot stand. Hey, by the way, uh, there's an article in Slate today, the uh, leftist liberal mouthpiece that you can find online. Uh, apparently, this piece about rock stars moving to Portland says, there's been talk recently of bona fide rock stars relocating to Portland like Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, recently spotted hunting for real estate with his supermodel girlfriend and, according to local gossip, driving a gold Hummer. Really? That's disappointing. Uh, you hate it when there's some guy that... I mean, I don't really like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but... I mean, really, you would think that driving a gold Hummer just seems retarded, regardless of who you are. And Gerard Way of the pop goth group My Chemical Romance... Uh, who's been talking with former Smiths guitarist Johnny Marr about how cool would that be if Johnny Marr moved to Portland? Oh, yeah. I'm not like a big Smiths fan, but I recognize their importance. Johnny Marr. Marr is another new Portland resident. Wait, oh, okay, so Marr does live here. Wait, and this is, let me, this is, the syntax in this is badly. Is badly a construct. The syntax in this is badly. Mm-hmm. Ah, bam, instant grammatical karma. The syntax no good in story I now read you. Blah. <clears throat> it says, Anthony Kiedis, blah, 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 and Gerard Way of My Chemical Romance, comma, who's been talking with former Smiths guitarist Johnny Marr about moving here, period. Marr, comma, naturally, comma, is another new Portland resident. Anyway, says, now we're done listing rock stars who live in Portland. Well, there aren't any more, are there? Man, eh, I don't want to turn it into There's a whole There's that one thing. blonde guy. <laughs> yeah, is there ever. Woo, blonde guy. Uh, I have all his records. I'm not going to make this a high-concept thing, but, okay, so Johnny Marr does live here from the Smiths, really? I'm not trying to be stalky about it. Like, I don't want to, like, don't call up and be like, hey, I'm going to give you his address. I'm, well, yeah, I mean, Modest Mouse lives here, too. Okay, but I thought Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance already lived here. No, they've been touring. Okay, so he does not live here, but Johnny he Marr from the Smiths lives here. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Again, don't don't call up. Well, and I don't just... know if he's really going to live here, though, because, I mean, he's been touring, and then the girl he just married is in a band, too. The, the Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance? Mm-hmm. He married a woman? He married a woman. Hmm. All right. It's 503-733-whatever. 503-733-2970. Far be it from me to... Uh, Johnny Marr. We got, we'll talk to Mr. Skin here in just a moment, and then Tim Riley, then the top five, then Scott Daly. Uh, I'm just going to make this, this one observation, though. We were talking about... Um, I was talking to Court and Fatboy the other day about the Zeppelin thing and how Zeppelin is reuniting for this one-off concert. And then the, the rumor is that they're going to be uh, doing some sort of world tour, uh, which I will not be able to attend because the tickets will undoubtedly be prohibitively expensive and scarce. So I've already, I'm already resigned to the fact that I will not be able to see so-called uh, Led Zeppelin uh, when they're on tour. But we were talking about rock star reunions and how there really is nobody left. All of the big rock reunions have already happened. The Who, Zeppelin, um, Van Halen is happening. Really, there's just Guns N' Roses. I mean, of the bands who can reunite. Mm-hmm. There's really only Guns N' Roses left because nobody else. I mean, Pink Floyd has sort of reunited a couple times, and you know, and they sucked every time they did it. There's really nobody left. Is there anybody? Is there any big rock act left to reunite? 
Because all the 80s hair bands, they never broke up. It's like Poison was just here three months ago. There's none of them. Bon Jovi never broke up. I don't think R.E.M. never broke up. There's really nobody left to reunite. It, I'll be curious to see. I mean, like the Eagles have been back forever. Fleetwood Mac came back. I'll be curious to see um, wh- where we are in like 10 years because it, the concert business has run for so long on big-name reunion tours. But there's nobody left to reunite. The only reason I mentioned that is because I was looking at the Smiths. If the Smiths reunited, that would be big to a certain section of the rock mm-hmm. world. That would be big to the alternative world. Yeah, even though Morrissey just turned down a, like a $75 million deal to reunite well, with the Smiths. Well, they just hate each other so much. Mm-hmm. Johnny Marr and, and Morrissey just despise each other. Uh, and, you know, and ABBA has famously turned down that billion-dollar offer that's been on the table forever. Because they know at this point there's no way that the, the reality could ever live up to the hype of them getting back together. So ABBA turned down that billion-dollar thing. But there's nobody left to reunite. I've been racking my brain about it for a while and there really is i think we are now out of big name rock reunions it's kind of a weird thing let's welcome now to the rick emerson show from mrskin.com the online celebrity nudity database our good friend and new father mr skin congratulations sir hey rick uh thanks i'm just not getting a lot of sleep these days i absolutely understand everybody i know that has kids they suddenly get that there's a very uh trademark look that the new parents get where it's just circles under the eyes and just sort of a vague vibe of kill me kill me please yeah and this is my third they're all under three and a half so it's like a triple the the lack of sleep. So, so that's a you'll sleep when you're dead kind of a thing. Yeah, right, right. Uh, well, what's up? But there's the... plenty of nudity to look at, so that's uh, that keeps me going. What's but, up uh, in the world of Mr. Skin? Well, there's three uh, there's three DVDs that are all TV shows out this week, and I thought I'd go through them with you real quick and give you an update on who's been naked from the shows. Uh, the number one DVD in stores right now is Grey's Anatomy Season 3, and uh, of the... Uh, Four, I consider the four big names on the show, Catherine Heigl, Sandra Oh, Ellen Pompeo, and Kate Walsh. Uh, three of the four have done uh, some nudity, Catherine Heigl in Side Effects, the 2005 movie Topless, Sandra Oh in Dancing at the Blue Iguana, and Kate Walsh, who plays Dr. Shepard in Three Below Zero. The only girl from the show that hasn't been naked is Ellen Pompeo, who plays uh, Meredith uh, uh, she wasn't a bra in the movie Art Heist, but just has yet to do nudity. Um, the other uh, big DVD out now is Desperate Housewives Season 3, and I'll give you, Rick, a little trivia. Uh, of the five girls from Desperate Housewives, four have done great nudity. One has never been naked. Uh, Marsha Cross, Terry Hasher, Felicity Huffman, Eva Longoria, and Nicolette Sheridan. Do you know of those five who has never been naked? Felicity Huffman. No, she actually's ah. done. She actually's gone full frontal. Uh, really? Yeah, in Transamerica, she was full frontal. She's been naked in uh, quite a few other things. But right. Eva Longoria, surprisingly, has never done a nude. Scene. That does surprise me. When was Marsha Cross? Uh, when did she do? In nudity? Female Perversions, a 1997 movie, an hour and 33 minutes in, she goes topless. It's the only movie to see her naked, but it's a real long. Uh, seen in a very surprising from Marsha Cross, who we know from Melrose Place and, of course, Desperate Housewives. Marsha Cross, just a little bit of geek knowledge. Marsha Cross, I have had a crush on ever since I was a little kid, and she played a vampire in the episode of this terrible uh, horror anthology show called Tales from the Dark Side. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, she played, she has a good features for a vampire. You know, she's got the pale skin and the yeah, red hair. It'd be a good, uh, that's a good part for her. But, uh, yeah, so four of the five girls from Desperate Housewives have been naked and uh, uh, of the Grey's Anatomy, uh, three of them were naked uh, from Grey's Anatomy. And finally, I wanted to mention uh, fans of Fox's Prison Break, 
that is uh, season two is out on DVD this week. And uh, one of the girls from Prison Break that I get a lot of requests for, uh, Robin Tunney, she plays Veronica on the show. Guys wondering, has she ever been naked? And the good news is outstanding nudity in a movie called Open Window, where early in the film she gets into the bathtub completely nude. Uh, highly recommended for Prison Break fans, uh, Robin Tunney and Open Window. So three big uh, TV DVDs out uh, this week at last, and uh, a good uh, kind of a rundown on who's been naked from the big TV shows. Excellent. All right, my friend. As always, it is a pleasure. Congratulations again on your uh, on your uh, the recent addition to the Skin family. Get yeah, some my sleep third at some skin point. Uh, thank you, Mr. Skin. All Mr. right, skin, take care, Rick. Thank you, brother. There you go. All right. Imagine you grow up and your dad is Mr. Skin, and it's a it's a girl. He just had a a, a female child. It's just a weird thing. Uh, I will read this. I won't name the person who sent this to me, but I was talking about Nate. This is not from Nate, uh, but I was talking about Nate Baker, formerly of the WB, who has the big voice guy do his, you have reached Nate's voicemail system. I almost want to call it on the air. If only I knew he wouldn't answer. Just so you can hear it. It is, it is just a great greeting. It's kind of, it's kind of, it strikes you with awe. Um, here's another person who uh, once worked at the WB, who I will not name, says, Rick, we always used to send Ricky, the big voice guy at the WB, fake scripts mixed in with the real ones. He'd read them and then start cussing after he figured out they were fake. A sample line we sent to Ricky. You'll never believe the bag of kind buds that Simon gets in his hands, gets, on, gets his hands on tonight on 7th Heaven. Fantastic. I used to have somewhere, I don't know where they went, this isn't like a big voice thing. I used to have that great, did we ever play this on... On this version of the show, the the the, the, the reel that we had from Imus where he was cutting liners and then he just began screaming profanities about halfway through, and it was all of Imus in the morning, a hot talk dinner, and then but then he just went on some weird profanity lace tirade. Oh yeah, halfway through, I have lost that, and it just pains me. Darn. Lost it, and the great thing about it is it's about a page of liners. They sent it, and they sent us the reel anyway. It's like that help thing that Sarah clicked on earlier on the web that went nowhere. He never got one usable liner done on the entire thing. It was like a nine-minute reel-to-reel tape that Imus sent us. Not one usable liner because he kept interrupting himself and then swearing. We were never able to use one of them, but then they sent it to us anyway, like the end, like for no reason. Well, whatever. All right, at the Ministry of Truth, ladies and gents, here's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The Russian military has successfully tested what is described as the world's most powerful bomb. It was the latest show of Russia's military might amid chilly relations with the U.S. It's uh, nicknamed the Dad of All Bombs. It's uh, four times more powerful than the U.S.'s mother of all bombs, according to the Russians. The tests have shown that the new air-delivered ordnance is comparable to a nuclear weapon in its efficiency and capability, says the uh, Russian general. Unlike a nuclear weapon, the bomb doesn't hurt the environment. Well, that's a good thing. Maybe we should buy a few of these. Uh, well, the U.S. bomb is equivalent to 11 tons of TNT. The Russian is equivalent to 44 tons of TNT. In your face. Beat that, us. Uncle Sam. Yeah, so it's a green bomb. Yeah. All right. Uh, meanwhile, a Taliban spokesman said the U.S. and other Taliban? military... Taliban? Taliban. Oh. Taliban. Taliban is the... Uh, Taliban. Taliban is the... Uh, Taliban. The Muslim extremist greeting card service. Yes, it is. Uh, he said that the U.S. and other military forces must leave Afghanistan before the group would consider holding peace talks with the Afghan government. Are things that bad that they're negotiating with the Taliban there? I believe so. Well, we did it. I mean, we, didn't we sell them oil or something at one point? Probably. Then they uh, blew up those statues. Yeah. Look, art, destroy it. 
So we're not doing very good at killing these people. There can't be that many of them. How long have we been there now? Maybe we ought to get one of those new green bombs from the Soviet Union. That would be good. Uh, let's see here. Uh, while Republican Senator David Vitter of Louisiana admitted back in June, he's very vittered out, about utilizing the services of a D.C.-based escort service operated by the so-called D.C. Madame, he denies uh, claiming he had sex with New Orleans prostitutes back in the late 90s when he was a congressman. But Wendy Yao Ellis, an ex-hooker with the Big Easy, I held a news conference with Hustler Magazine publisher Larry Flint to counter Vitter's denial. I saw him two to three times a week. It was purely a sexual relationship. Yeah. He would come into the entertainment club that I work at, and it ended abruptly whenever he found out what my name was. What? I don't understand. He, it ended abruptly when he found out what her name was? I guess so. Well, what does that mean? I don't know. You want me to play it again? Sure. All right. Here's the prostitute. I saw him two to three times a week. Like it was a Booker. relationship. He would come into the entertainment club that I work at, and it ended abruptly whenever he found out what my name was. I don't understand. Which, whenever he found out, how many times do you find out somebody's name? That is strange, isn't it? <laughs> that is oh, funny. Oh, 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 I see what happened. Turned out she had the same first name as Vitter's wife. Oh. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm. Alice took a past the lie detector test at Flint's request to back up her story yeah. and is being paid by Flint to talk about their alleged sexual liaisons. And it'll be in the upcoming issue of The uh, Hustler. Excellent. Well done. I love the idea that for comment on, though, we threw it to a hooker. Mm-hmm. And now for comment on a legless hooker on a goat. Uh, so, blah, blah, blah. You know what we ought to do as a country is just start rallying behind these guys who go to hookers and just start voting for them. You know what I mean? That's the kind of guy I want in office. A guy with no problem going and just uh, paying a whore. Uh, Rick, the only reason I went to MySpace was to keep up with the friends I made on the Rick Emerson show, Rick Emerson parties and so forth. To that end, I have made many contacts. And many friends. Do I now have to start a Facebook page to keep connected? Are we all moving to Facebook, Rick? Is the Rick Emerson show leading the people out of MySpace bondage into the promised land of Facebook? Please lead us, Rick, or tell me what to do. Uh, I'm I don't, not liking it so far. That's yeah, I, apparently uh, there seems to be a lot of potential downsides. I don't have one of those or, Facebooks. No. You're not on the MySpace either. No, I don't like that thing. It takes too long to load. I stay in my house with the shutters down. I stay inside a glass egg-like contraption at my home, floating in amniotic fluid during the 20 hours I'm not on the air. As it should be. All right. Don't uh, hug me. Watch out for those Africanized honeybees. They're creating a fierce strain... On New Orleans. These are also known as killer bees. They made themselves at home in New Orleans. Uh, the swarm of bees was captured about five miles from where demolition workers found a colony of African bees. That's exactly what you want near a colony of African bees, by the way, is a, cr- a group that's dynamiting things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most recent find was close enough to an earlier find that the bees might have come from the same colony. They might have also flown ashore from a passing ship or a barge. Michael brought some bees ashore. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Africanized bees have been labeled killer bees for years, there's an idea that they're bigger than European honeybees. Not so. The truth is they're actually smaller and a lot fiercer. Watch out for them next time you go to New Orleans. They're They'll coming kill to you. kill your children. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hey, this is Dale. Hey. Hey, I just wanted to share with you guys a piece of mail I got today. I live in a house that used to be a rental, so I get lots of crazy things. Uh... On the front letter, on the front of the envelope, sorry, says free prepaid cremation. <laughs> Details really? inside. That's wonderful. And then on the inside, at the top of the letterhead, it says 
Win a free prepaid cremation. Win. Complete all of the reply slip information, and you will be eligible for a drawing each month. It says July 2007 winner, Miss P. Sims. So they're giving away a, a free a cremation prepaid. a month? Yes. <laughs> and then throughout the letter, it just gives all the reasons for a cremation and all the you know, reasons why you should do it because... It's simple, economical, and dignified. And so the, but the deal is in exchange for that, they want your address so they can, I guess, send you junk mail or put you on a mailing list or whatever. Yeah, for more stuff. That's that, that maybe is, it's only for certain areas of time. I was just gonna say that is that is kind of weird, but I do wonder if that shows up uh, in certain uh, communities and neighborhoods more than others. I no, can't. What what area of uh, Portland was this in, sir? Uh, I live in Milwaukee. So, yeah, but it's, no, that makes sense. Is, really, this is in Northeast Portland. This uh, cremation service. Yes, that also makes sense. I mean, really, it's, I, I think certain communities are not really going to have the. Uh, they're they're not, not really a day of it. They're bring the kids. They're not really going to bring some hot dogs. They're not really going to have the choice of mahogany or pine. I think in certain communities, it's most likely not. Really, just the choice of uh, of cremation or just kicking dad out of the car into a drainage culvert. At the bottom of the letter, after the uh, the owner has signed it, you know, sincerely. It says, please accept our apologies if this letter has reached you at a time of serious illness or death in your family. Oh, oh, oh imagine that. Imagine. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It's malignant. Well, okay. I guess I'll cheer myself up by looking to see what came in the mail today. Oh, that's unpleasant. I guess they're targeting people for whom the, I guess the only other choice is just leaving dad in the frozen food aisle of a Walmart or something. That'd Jesus. be nice. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah, take care. Excellent. That's fantastic. Wonderful. That is fantastic. It really is. Well, you know, what are you going to do? I should prepay for my cremation right now. We should have a cremation, uh, you know, we should we should give that away as well. I wonder if they've got one, if they can sign an annual or something with us. That would yeah. be a good idea. All right. Um, all right, well, let's uh, 10 till 2. I haven't had any caffeine. Let's do a couple more. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Scott Daly, Top 5, all that. In recognition of Larry King's 50 years in the broadcast industry, the L.A. City Council has agreed to rename an area surrounding the CNN building in Hollywood after Larry King. This is an area from Sunset to DeLongpre and Kawanga to Cole Place. It will now be known as Larry King Square. He started his career in 1957 in a Miami radio station. Of course it's Square, by the way. That's, there's no better name for any sort of road name for Larry King Square. Then uh, Lucille Ball and the owner of Lucy's El Adobe Cafe will also be recognized for their contribution to Hollywood with the renaming of an intersection to I Love Lucy Square. Uh, Ball and Lucy Casada share the honor of the intersection of Melrose Avenue and Plymouth Boulevard near Paramount Studios. What a rundown area that is. <laughs> the El Adobe Cafe is a popular campaign spot for local and national politicians and a great place to get knifed on your way to your car. It's like you're reading this. Uh, you sound like a tour guide. And if you look to the left, you'll see the Hollywood Cantina where many of our stars come to eat in the commissary. You totally sound like you are doing, like, star maps uh, commentary right now. Jesus. Uh, Canada's upset. Their privacy commissioner has raised concern over that Google program that lets you zoom in to street-level photographs. It is so clear and precise they can pinpoint an unknowing bystander and their exact location with a click of a mouse. I saw the best thing on Google Maps the other day. It was on Drudge. He'd link to this, and then later I think Google saw it and they took it down. But, you know, Google Maps, they have those, I guess, so what do we decide that they're wired into the municipal camera systems in cities? I guess. I guess that's the they deal. They use uh, photographs captured from an earlier date to let uh, computer users navigate through city streets and neighborhoods of major cities. They don't have this in Canada yet, only the U.S. But I think that the cameras they use are those put up by cities that are there already. In other words, I'm not saying it's an ODOT camera, but a thing like that. Mm -hmm. So if Portland already had a camera system up, that's what Google uses. 
They got the best photograph. This is exactly what he went all over the Drudge Report. They got a photo of a woman who had no underwear on, uh, getting it, into her it car. It was, a, but it was, but it was exactly like that. But it was just some woman. And I forget where the city was, like in Delaware or something. And it was just like one of those street-level cameras that is there to get traffic and to show you what the traffic is like at certain intersections. And there's a woman, like, getting into the passenger seat, and she was moving her legs in such a way that you got the full, uh, you know, the Sharon Stone right there. And then, of course, Matt Drudge, you know, because he's never been a, a, a story doesn't like to flog forever. But it's like the huge, head, like, above-the-fold headline, like, you know, camera shows woman's vagina. Click here. And it was, I mean, and it's a poor woman in Delaware who was just, like, trying to get into the car to go to a movie or whatever, and suddenly her privates are all over the Internet. That's... You know, she really should wear underwear, though. Well, I know. I'm just saying. I mean, it is, you know, sort of a sort of a clothing Darwinism, I guess. Uh, before we break, let me just uh, read this, because, as you know, Donald J. Trump, just, I guess which differentiates. What if it's not really Donald Trump? What if it is like Donald his, S. Trump? Serious Donald Trump with it with the two P's at the end has been very successful at building chicken coop. <laughs> this will be like that guy Rick Emerson who runs Coonhound Kennels oh, in, uh, in in Atlanta or something. Rick, would you like it? He's that guy that always wants me to form with him an organization for people named Rick Emerson. Like he wants me to form some club. Oh, because he wants to buy RickEmerson.com from you. No, that's a guy in Canada. There's a guy in Canada that always wants to buy Rick Emerson to flog some real estate business of his. There is a guy who raise, raises, uh, as they are called, the coonhounds, which is the uh, dogs for hunting raccoons. Um, and he runs coonhoundkennels.org or whatever. And he's always like, and that he always wants me to get together with him and find other Rick Emersons and to form like a fun-loving <laughs> club where we can hang out and wear hats and whatnot. Um, but there was a guy actually not too long ago who made his living as a Bill Gates impersonator. And the thing was, he looked just like Bill Gates. They would never introduce him as Bill Gates because his real name was like Myron Schenkelbeck or something. But he would show like companies who could not afford an actual motivational speaker. He would show up for like $200 and lunch. And they would introduce him as a very special friend from Redmond or whatever. Or, you know, like a, ma a man you may know from the tech industry. And he would never say he was Bill Gates, but clearly that was the implication. Oh, like, that's they were clearly trying to fool you. And he would get up and he would affect sort of a whiny lisp and talk about being successful in business. And then they would give him a voucher to a Subway, you know, restaurant, and then he'd go home. Um, so Donald J. Trump invites you to learn his wealth creation secrets. Somebody has, uh, and then it says here at the bottom in tiny print, Donald will be a will be here recorded live, and so we, we we're wondering what that means exactly. Donald will be he'll here be recorded live. He'll be on the DVD. Well, somebody says, Rick, I believe the Donald will be here recorded live probably means that they will have a video conference set up, probably playing a generic pre-recorded tape. I envision a 15-second intro where Trump holds up the newspaper of the day to prove what day it is, and a bad <laughs> overdub of him saying, hello, and then a different voice saying, Portland, Oregon, like a crappy TV edited movie. I'm also guessing that the millionaire makers will be selling their own books, tapes, and millionaire exercises, and they will charge you $50 for an official Trump lunch, which consists of an expired Trump steak product and microwave vegetables and starch. If Scotty goes, he should be forbidden from buying anything, as he seems like he'd be susceptible to this snake oil. Besides, he'll probably get a bunch of free crappy swag in the form of pens and funny-shaped stress relief balls. You know, I even without that going... That is a very well-written email. I, yeah, even without going, I can guarantee you that's what it is. It'll be a plastic bag full of free things that white people will refer to as swag. Uh, it, and it'll be a whole bunch of like, here, would you like a, a pencil sharpener that has the Nike logo on it? All right, here you go. Have you ever heard of something called a downline, Scotty? 
All right. Um, Scotty, could you use extra income in just a few spare hours a week? Do you have friends or family who might also like money-making secrets such as these? Yes, I thought I thought as much. Uh, let us now break so I can drink caffeine. Uh, when we come back, Scott Daly from uh, Film Figure Radio will be here. Uh, what the hell else? Oh, top five traveling songs. More from Tim Riley, etc. It's a five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Don't go anywhere. Slave to habit, I can't imagine where it would be. Well, that thing hasn't left your side in like three years. And I checked the dishwasher to see if some fool tried to wash it. That didn't work. It wasn't in there. None of the sink. Oh well. I have to use one of these uh, styrofoam cups, like a commoner. All right. Uh, Why? Hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. I'm just going to read this one story, then we'll introduce Scott Daly. Uh, we get the uh, top five coming up. Uh, like us at three, Donna Mike at seven. San Rafael, California. A man recently released from jail after being convicted of secretly videotaping a woman and a teenage girl has sued a Marin County Police Department for the return of his massive porn collection. Dennis Saunders, 59, filed suit against police in Marin County after the department refused to get back some 500 pornographic movies and 250 magazines. Imagine having to be the guy who catalogs that. He's sitting there in some wire cage working for like $7 an hour and no benefits, and you got to catalog 750 stained and soiled pieces of pornography. The video collection was worth $10,000. Saunders of he- uh, Heldsburg was... I'm not even really rested, uh, interested in the rest, of the rest of the story here. Oh, he has a hi- except for he has a history of peeping-related arrests dating back to 1979. All right, uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Film Fever Radio... Our good friend, Scott Daly. Hello, sir. A man works hard to acquire that kind of porn collection. Yes, he does. He deserves it back. I guess. <laughs> it's a lot of work, man. I don't know how After you would go about quantifying the value of the porn yeah, collection. $10,000. but Receipts. Why would you need 700 and... I'm sorry. Why would you need 500 porn films? I have absolutely no idea. I mean, and you know they're all on VHS, too. You know, those, those, like, those big old boxy uh, cassette it, cases that porn used to come in. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, did you, uh, were you on the show that day that that guy brought his crate of pornography to the studio? No, I was not. That was a long time ago. Um, but um, it, 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 we had a great... Do you remember that, sir? Were you there? The Foot Locker of Pornography? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, the trunk with all yeah. the uh, cabbage pads. It was, a, or the... it was like a Foot Locker. 
Cabbage Patch? <laughs> oh, and I get Garbage Pail Kids stickers pills. all over it. <laughs> it was a grown man. He was like a 40-year-old guy. Was it magazines? and? No, it was all VHS. Wow. He was a grown... I seem to recall who ended up with that, too. Do you? Are you playing dumb? Do you not know where it is? I know no, I know is. exactly where it is. We'll reveal I that. About it, didn't we? We'll reveal that at the end of the story. Uh, the um, so this guy who was like 40 years of age, pardon me. Uh, this guy's like 40 years of age. He was getting married again, and his wife had like put her foot down about it. You're not having it. It's drunk of pornography. And so, um, so he's like, "Do you want it?" And I'm like, "I didn't really want it as such, but it's one of those things you can't really say no to." Like when that guy offered to give us piranha. It's free you know? porn. Yeah, well, and it's like, do you want a piranha? Well, sure, because if you say no, it's like you're violating a guy oath exactly. somehow. Exactly. Um, anyway, so that he brings in this, like, big-ass, it's like a steamer trunk, like a footlocker. Jeez. And we Christmas. open it, and it's covered in garbage pail kid stickers. We open it, and there's just, I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of VHS porn tapes inside. Wow. With just, like, and they're really, like, not even... They're really nasty porn. <laughs> yeah, not even clever. <laughs> You know what I mean? And not, yeah. I'm not talking upscale Andrew Blake pornography. Not I'm talking <laughs> on Golden Blonde. Exactly. Um, I'm trying to think. See, now I got a whole thing. Now Are there any start. other radio friendly? Uh, Forrest Humpin on Golden Blonde. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of any other puns that I, that I can I say on the air. I spent many years in a little mom pop video store. We had a very large adult section. And the, the titles that I saw were blew my mind away. You know, it's funny that you say that because... Um, I'm just deviating within the story here, but I will say that growing up, I grew up in the early stages of the video rental business. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember, I like you, I remember when there was no... See, Sarah doesn't remember not being able to rent movies. I remember, I was about nine when mm-hmm. you started to be able to rent movies, back when you'd have to rent the big-ass VCR, the big you know. <laughs> Top-loaded Yeah, totally. With the, <laughs> Wade, and sometimes pounds. the VCR came in, like, a big plastic briefcase mm-hmm. thing, and... Um, and video rental at one point was so, there was a place called Cascade Video in my hometown, and that was the go-to place. There was no Blockbuster at that point. There was no. It's weird to think about that actually. Yeah, ours was Star Video. Yeah, it's yeah. weird to think actually. It's like in the early days of the internet, because now everybody just goes to Comcast or Earthlink or something. Right. But remember, in the early days of the internet, it was like you know John's Internet Company or whatever. And, and so it was with video rental. There was no Blockbuster, but there was this place, Cascade Video, and video rental was so new and exciting that they actually had. It was just like a, a couple of pieces of paper stapled together, you know, just like regular like this, like printer paper, right. that listed the movies they had in stock. I mean, because there was only like yeah. maybe 100 movies that they carried. And and, and all those old, uh, the very first video rentals came in these big plastic clamshell mm-hmm. cases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first movie we ever rented was Superman. Superman. Yeah. Um, that's a high concept topic for another day, maybe. First film rented ever. Uh, yeah, first film one. ever. Sarah, do you remember the first? Well, you don't, of course. You're too young. I, and I, I'm not trying to knock you, but just and you also, one of the first movies I remember watching is Labyrinth. And also those Labyrinth. videos. Mm-hmm. Labyrinth. <laughs> those videos. To, to buy those things are like $125. Yeah, that's because there was no um, cause there were no previewed exactly. v- uh, DVD exactly. or uh, VHS at that time. And it was a big deal. I think Disney kind of started the whole uh, direct-to-sell yep. video concept. Yeah. I remember uh, some friends of mine bought their dad. They they pooled their money one Christmas and they bought their dad Die Hard on on VHS because wow. he had rented it like fifty times, yeah. which is what you had to do at that exactly. point. Exactly. 
Unless you wanted to rent two VCRs and, like, copy it over the weekend. Yeah. Um, and he just had blown so much money renting Die Hard, they pooled, like, the $89 yeah. to buy him. Imagine and, paying and $90 and for that's, a VHS. That's a fairly new thing with, with, every, well, with DVD, obviously. But, I mean, as, as, as late as 1995... You know, yeah. videos still cost not eighty nine, ninety nine dollars. Uh, but, but anyway, so this video store, it was so new that they had their entire stock listed on like two pieces of paper. Nice. And there was the all the regular, and they were broken up by category: comedy, drama, action, whatever. And then on the second page, there was a little line break, and then written in like bold was the uh, adult titles. Ah, yes. Which the blue. Titles. You know, and so as a kid, those fascinated me. Yeah. I didn't really know what a porn film was. I held only the vaguest ideas of what an adult movie was. It seemed really fascinating and compelling, but I couldn't really picture what it was exactly. Yeah. I'm like, well, I know it's naughty, but I don't know what. And it was also fascinating because it was behind the red curtain. Totally behind. You know, you couldn't go back there. Behind the beaded you curtain. Go back there. That's right. Um, but I remember looking through, and the, the, some of the ones I remember are on Golden Blonde. Mm -hmm. I remember Flash Pants. <laughs> and uh, the other one was uh, Frisky Business. <laughs> the other title I can't say on the air. Yeah, there's many it that was, I know uh, that are not airworthy. It rhymed uh, with romancing the stone, and it was a thing your dog might bury in the backyard. Right. Uh, and I remember just that looking at that going, that must be the best movie ever. <laughs> like, it just seemed, and again, uh, and I, I, it's one of those, this is one of those conversations that Sarah tunes out in, I think, mm -hmm. out of, because I, <laughs> <laughs> because I don't, I mean, I'm not trying to be creepy about this, but I mean, you... Okay, you, but you're you're old enough though to remember going to video stores and renting movies, right? Oh yeah. I mean, you still probably do that maybe time and I still now do and again. But you do you now? Do you mind if I ask where you rent? Do you go to like Blockbuster? Or do you go to a? Mm. Do you go to a, an indie store like Movie Madness or something? I usually go to Movie Madness or um. Well, I can't personally rent any movies because I have too many fees all yeah. around town. <laughs> so whenever someone wants to watch a movie, I'm you like, all right, I'll married. bring the pizza. You bring the movie. Yeah. No, well, screw that. I'm not going to pay somebody $44 just so I can rent a copy of 10 Things I Hate About You. Well, see, that's, <laughs> that, was, that was the cool thing about video stores. You racked up enough late fees. Just go to the one down the street. Totally. I'm down there. I'll open a new account I know. I've done the one down the street way too many times. Though. Now I can't go anywhere in my neighborhood. <laughs> well, that's why the CD game exchange is great because you can just go buy it. Like five mm -hmm. bucks, you own it for Well, a... Movie Madness, so I'm... For some I reason, I place. respect movie madness, so I'm never late totally. with oh, there. Oh, I never no, no, have no. any late fees. And if, well, and if I get them, I pay them. If I get mm -hmm. movie madness late fees, I pay them because I love that place. Um, and uh, anyway, what was I going to say? But unnamed places that advertise on our station you don't do not pay there. those fees. Um, we probably shouldn't say that. Okay, just make sure it's good. It? No. no, I didn't say anything. I just wrote it down. Make no, sure it's okay he wrote the title it. of a film. It's like Edward Scissorhands. But Edward something else. It's Edward blank blank hands. Rhymes with weenus. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, no. Most of them play Edward Forty Hands. So, my point, though, was going to be this, that uh, as a woman, I don't think, like as a teenage girl even, and I don't mean to be creepy, I'm just curious about this, the, uh, the adult section of the video store behind the curtain or whatever, did that hold some weird appeal to you, or was it mysterious and intriguing to you as a teenage girl? Like, what's behind the beaded curtain in the adult section? No, I think it was in intriguing, but we didn't want to like go back there and see it the way it seemed. It seemed sleazy. No, I remember. Weird, I think or... we were able to like, sneak into one of those sections. You just go, and you're just like accosted by... Big naked pictures people. Of, pictures of, of and very things, large And it's not schlong. as exotic as you think that it's going to be. And the boxes are two times the size of the regular oh, video yeah. And they're all pink and blue. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember, Boy. though, going to this video store and always seeing 
this little side door that led off to the adult section and just being like, that must be the most glorious place in the world. And then thinking it was a huge deal when my friends and I had come back. I wasn't going to college, but we'd all kind of moved away. And we were all back in town for the holidays or whatever. And we're like, well, let's rent some movies. And we're like, hey, we're all 18. Let's go in that porn section. You know, it's like how when you're 21, you're like, I'm going to order me a beer. And so we just, we walk. And the porn section, you rounded the corner, and it really was just like a closet. It was like the tiniest, least interesting thing ever. And it was just a bunch of sleazy movies propped up on a shelf, but it was completely uninteresting. Boy, I tell you, spending many, many, many years in a video store with an adult section. With a guy that comes in and shuffles around. Oh, yeah, there's like, a guy who doesn't know of, what he's doing. Kind of well, looks at the new release section yeah. and picks this couple up, looks at the back, and then... <laughs> yeah, be when like you're, when you're not looking. He totally... <laughs> well, there's Rambo 3. Hmm, wait, uh, look over there. And then he just runs in there so you can't see him And then going they're back in. there for... 30, 45 yeah. minutes. Like it yeah. makes a lot it's, of difference. It's, and it's quiet. And every so often you hear the sting, rustling. You hear the sticks down to the box. <laughs> falling off. I couldn't put it back on right I'm or whatever. I'm so glad the internet oh came my along. God. Really, I without just, the internet, I, I mean, really, we'd all still be like back there behind the beaded curtain anytime you wanted to see a boob. I saw, well, one of the stores I worked in was a pretty lengthwise, it was a long store, and our, our adult section was pretty, pretty big. And this kid walked into the store. He's maybe 14. And uh, he walked in and kind of just hanging out a lot, you know, looking at the stuff. And then it's like an hour had passed. And I'm like, where where'd that kid go? And he had a backpack on, obviously coming over from school. It's like, where did that kid go? And then I kind of walked up and down the aisles of the video store. And he was nowhere. There's only one entrance door. So I would have seen if he went out. And then I thought. No, he wouldn't be balls enough to do that, would he? And sure enough, ah. I walked in there. He's sitting on the floor in the adult section with probably 20 cover boxes. Yeah. He's back there doing him. his Leaf Phoenix. And he's just sitting there, just staring at the floor. And I'm like, you need to get out of here. Yeah. Okay. And he shuffled and he was gone. He started putting stuff back. He's like, no, no, I'll take care of that. You get out. It was very bizarre. Well, so yeah. this guy that had the porn collection, uh, he had called us on the air and he's like, my wife's making me get rid of my porn, but I wanted it to go to somebody who wants it. You know, do you want it? I'm like, well, sure, fine. Bring it down. He brings in his footlocker. We open it. And again, it wasn't any of like the classy porn. It was all <laughs> just like... Am- I can't... Amateur stuff? Yeah, but not even amateur, just like low, low budget. And I don't, want to, I don't want to turn this into, like, a dissertation <laughs> on, like, what's great about porn and what's not. But, right, I mean, right. the, I suppose there's just very straight-ahead, basic porn films. Because there is, I say Andrew Blake, because he's, he, he, Andrew Blake is a guy who came to prominence because he was the one who made a lot of, um... He makes really beautiful he films. Really, he's, yeah. the, he's the example that people always use when they try to make the whole, well, some porn films are like art. Which, and I'm not going to get into whether they are or not, but he's really famous because he makes, like, these porn films that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. He's the Fellini of porn. The, the what? Well, the Fellini. The Fellini of porn, yes. Oh. Um, but he makes no, all these... He, beautiful. They, they are sort of like as if Playboy magazine made porn. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of jazz music and soft focus photography and gauzy curtains blowing Lots in the wind. Shiny, uh, totally. shiny sets. And everybody's really attractive, even like yeah. no walrus mustache on the guy. Oh, no. Um, but there's, you know, and then there's porn that's really just straight ahead. It's like, hey, I'll, I'll pay you a hundred bucks if you bang this guy in a hotel room while I, while I film. And then there's stuff that it's like, as somebody once said, it's like you expect the girls to have tire tracks on you, <laughs> you know? It's, 
I mean, like girl missing an eye, you know. But, ev- but every single one of those, man, I'm telling you, the, the stuff that we had in our store, uh, the Andrew Blake stuff, were always in the shelf. It was no, the no, because nobody wants to watch that. I know it was the skeezy, trashy stuff that was out the door all the time. And on Tuesdays were porn days. Were the days we got the new new titles. Tuesday in. is porn day. And we'd probably get five or six of the, the same people every single. What do you got? What do you got? It's like, well, here we go. Yeah. And I knew what they liked, and I was like, eh, there you go. God, I know. Yeah. Oh, I, look, new Polly Shore too. And so, and, and, and this was the really sleazy porn the guy had in this okay. in this trunk that he gave us, and it was all, the titles were all things along the lines of like, you know, won't you please bang my sister in the backseat of a sedan? First you one know? I ever saw. What? I never say no. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably in that box. I, you know, every I will say this: every single guy, and then we have to we have to end this conversation because otherwise <laughs> it's going to eat up the rest of the day, and that's just wrong. Um, every guy though does remember the first porn film yep. they ever saw. Uh, and as I as I have noted uh, very famously, the um, the not famously, but as a, a, as I have noted, uh, it was a very famous film. That my first uh, the first time I ever saw an adult movie was Debbie Does Dallas. I have never seen Debbie Does Dallas. It's you know, yeah. I mean, uh, it's I guess in a way I'm glad that I saw that because I can because it is such an iconic film. Right. It's like Deep Throat. Yeah. Or Behind uh, the Green Door. You know. Yeah. Which I, and I've seen both of those two. They're all terrible films. Oh, they're the awful. Way. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, but it's just I can go. Yeah, I saw that. But I remember being about eleven or twelve. Wow. And seeing Debbie Does Dallas at my friend Virgil's house. <laughs> you always had the one friend, didn't you? Oh, uh, totally. <laughs> he had. Uh, well, he was sort of like the Sarah of my circle of friends, and by that I mean Sarah has talked about Jimmy in the liquor cabinet and knowing what to fill the bottles back up with to make them look full. Virgil knew how to open the liquor cabinet. He had porn. He was able to he was able to get into his dad's porn stash. Um, and he had a Kiss Love Gun on eight track, which oh, we would listen to oh, all the. Oh, so so great. we would be drinking like whiskey out of bottles, listening to Love Gun on eight track and watching porn. It's like the sleazy in a wood in like a basement with fake wood paneling oh, in the suburbs. It's like the sleaziest. It's like a Judd Apatow movie come to life. Jesus, that's fantastic. But I remember watching Debbie Does Dallas when I was like twelve and going, "Well, that's sort of." I don't know how to process this. It wasn't that it was hurt. It, yeah, it wasn't that he was bad or good or off-putting. It's like I just had no frame of reference. Yeah. It's like I had no. It was like there was no, uh, no pun intended. There was just like no slot in my brain to file that into. I'm just right. like this falls into the category of things I just can't process one way or the other. And you're like, eh, okay. Yeah, and I'm like, right, can, we watch, can we watch Halloween three? The you know? A team is on. Totally. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, so who who ended up with the box? Oh, of porn? anyway, so yeah, so the guy gave us this box of porn, and uh, that is now in the, unless something has Wait, changed. Can I guess? Can yeah. I guess? Yeah, Dennis. No. Oh. No, you're in the right ballpark though. Brad. No, other way. Oh. Hmm. Matt Peterson. <laughs> other way? What does other way mean? Well, meaning you're working further out yeah, from the no, station. I'm no, saying I'm further sure. in, because Matt was an employee. Yeah, so Dennis at that time wasn't an employee. He was just a guy that came on the show. I can No, it was Dennis. somebody in the inner circle. Yeah, Matt took that. I'm like, I'll take it. And so uh, but unless something's changed, that's at Matt's house right now. So great. <laughs> Probably, like, in the living room as a coffee table, holding a lot of copies of Guns and Ammo We magazine. should call the morning show he works on and remind them of... Yes, we should do that on the air. Big chunk of porn. A family-friendly radio program. <laughs> do you still have that big crate of pornography? Well done.
This guy says, Rick, the end game for video renting is upon us in the form of McDonald's $1 movie oh, rentals. God. Have you seen those? Yeah, McDonald's renting over. movies for a buck. I saw one of those places outside of a Walmart, too, and I think. I just don't understand how that could even work. Well, it does. It's just it's a loss leader, as they say. They're yeah. not even making money. It's just another way to get you in the drive-thru. Yep. That's the thing, which is, you know, whatever. McDonald's a business. They can do whatever they want. I don't care. Have you seen these, uh, like, five play DVDs they have now? Oh, yeah. They play, play and like then they stop working. After the fifth play, they, you don't work them anymore. Well, Netflix, it. for a while, was talking about idea. making those DVDs that just self-destructed after, like, a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, kind of the same concept. Now the D- Netflix is actually now beaming movies right to your TV. I love that. Yeah. Oh, to TV. Because I know if you do it to your computer. If you have a TiVo, Netflix is now starting to push certain movies right to your TiVo. Uh, Yeah, McDonald's is losing money on that. It's just another way to get you to go to McDonald's. So with the TiVo, can you just keep it on TiVo? No, I think it it deletes itself after like a week or something. Okay, that's... Pretty cool. uh, there's nothing right there I want to watch, but it's it's pretty cool actually. Yeah, no, if you have broadband, which I do, they'll shove it right onto your TiVo, and then you just watch it whenever. Fantastic. Uh, we should probably break, shouldn't we? Sarah? Okay. We sure could. Uh, when we come back, what are we doing? What you have a review? Yeah, I've got a review of the Brave One with Jodie Foster and uh, Terrence Howard. All right. So. And we should talk to Scott Daly about how putting smoking is going. Yes, we should. Okay. Uh, all that when we come back, plus more from Tim Riley. Like us at three. Like us one oh one at five o'clock. Uh, Donna Mike at seven. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson show. Back after this. Now we've got to know. All right. We were talking. We were talking about porn during the break, and so I was noting that we interviewed Ron Jeremy. Actually, the list of porn stars we've interviewed is, we don't really do that much these days, because it's, you know, because why? Because there's some other dick on the radio talking to us. I'm talking to a porn star and a stripper. Uh, so I think our rule has always been that we would only really talk to porn stars if they were pop culture famous. Um, we talked to Ron Jeremy. Ginger Lynn, who is real, and she's in The Devil's Rejects, you said? She was in The Devil's Rejects. She's in a sex scene at the very beginning. Yes, talk to clown Ginger, Lynn. She, Ginger Lynn. Ginger yeah, Lynn, yeah. She's great. She's famous. I mean, yeah. she's world famous. Yeah, totally. uh, like, I would talk to Nina Hartley, of course. Um, I did have early on in my uh, Portland uh, show, I had Christy Canyon, because I, uh, there's, and there's no other way to put it. I just, I love Christy Canyon. I mean, I had, I won't say a crush, but I really, I really have quite a, quite a thing for Christy Canyon. I, I agree with you on that. I can see it 100%. I, I, I'm not that type of guy, yeah. but I totally. Our general sales the manager at the time, her. too, was a huge Christy Canyon fan. And he was like, are you having Christy Canyon? And dude, that is the bomb. Um, <laughs> and then yeah. he came by, and he was just like, and then he, he at, how do I put this? Did you linger? Our, no, but our general sales manager at the time had this conversation with me about Christy Cannon. He's like, he's like, you know, he's like, how do you have a conversation with a woman like that when you realize that the last time you saw her, she was, and then he mimed a particular act. <laughs> he's like, how do you look her in the eye? And I'm like, I don't know, my friend. Um, okay, but then we, and then we had Rachel Rotten on, who was just, yeah. uh, she was pointless, but who was... Sarah doesn't remember this. That we had I a porn star. She had the world's record for the largest bosoms. And I was in the studio. You and were I, there. I remember. I do. And, I, and Kyle I, was there. And I, I remember her. I, was there. I remember her comp- kind of being very. And she was pulled up because she was on an AM station. And my my you that? and as, as Tom Likas would say, my opinion only. Uh, she, in my opinion, seemed really high. She seemed really, really out high. of it. Wait, because I went to a poker game at Kyle's house, our intern Kyle, and he had his pic- he had her picture it tacked was, up, it was that like in the night. living room. It was that same was it night. That night. It was that same night because I was there too. But no, she was uh, she was upset because it was an AM station. Yeah, and she, she got promised like a big name. So she that was her thing is yeah. she had the she had an eighty inch uh, 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 breast area. Well, that's she, how famous she is. I don't even remember. She her. was not attractive. What was her name? No, she was Ooh. hideous. Ooh. All right, that wasn't Chesty Morgan. No, and it wasn't. A, cool no, good reference. Chesty Morgan, very good. Very good reference. Well, that's from my school. 
boy days. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk to we'll, we'll, Tim, Tim Riley's news here in just a second. I, um, is it right down nine here? I always forget. Yeah. Can you pot this down? What? Uh, this email says, Rick, uh, sure enough, I used to write voiceover stuff uh, for the WB it's voice. Working. Really? You waited too long. Okay. This guy says, I used to work at the WB, and sure enough, I would also write voiceover copy for the guy to read. If you call my home number, you'll hear the best answering machine message ever. Radio safe, and it's better than Nate's. Please don't read my number over the air. So, okay. Oh, fantastic. Hmm. All right. Okay. He says, uh, don't give my number over the air, give my name. So um, we're calling this guy. Maybe he'll say his name, but we're not giving his number anyway. He says it's the best uh, answering machine message ever. Then we'll uh, the news. This is really better be worthwhile, because otherwise we're just calling to hear. What if it's just profanity riddled? Thanks for calling the Blenders. The Blenders cannot come to the phone right now. So, at the sound of the tone, please leave your name, number, and any message that you would like. And they'll return your call as soon as possible. Have a great day. Record your message at the tone. When you are finished okay. recording the sound, to cancel, oh. press star. Okay, Ridley's message is underwhelming. I expected this voicemail. I thought it was pretty impressive. I thought it was Bob Barker. It was pretty good. No, but I mean... Was it Bob Barker? No. Perhaps Link Martindale. That's not Bob Barker. Let's do it again. I think it was... No, that's not... No, it's it's the voice guy for the WB. Yeah. Because this is another guy who worked at the WB. Mm -hmm. Huh. No, that's okay. less. That's way. That's way less impressive than Nate's. Nate's. You no, know, maybe he's just very excited. It's hold a big on. thing. He's for proud him. of it. Let's. Uh, here's. Okay, I just hung up on the guy. So uh, he just heard that whole conference. Sorry, uh, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. It didn't make the grade. Ministry of Truth. Here's Tim Riley. And now from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A scary situation. Aloha. Did I call it Aloha? I meant Aloha. Aloha. Everyone else Aloha. does. I know. The Louis E. Tobias Elementary School was put in lockdown today after deputies tried to find a naked man who was running around the neighborhood. The lockdown lasted about 10 minutes or so. The report came in at 1230. The man was seen at Southwest 206th Avenue and Baseline Road. Tobias Elementary is at 206th Avenue in Aloha. Fourteen patrol cars from Hillsborough came in looking for the naked man who was said to be completely naked. It wasn't known why he was naked. Stills were placed in lockdown, and uh, there was a, a threat off campus, they said. Doors were locked. Students were kept inside so they wouldn't be exposed to the naked man. The school is about 0.2 miles from where the naked man was seen. He was never apprehended. I don't miss living in Aloha one bit. It's all like no, 70, 70s tract homes. I was going to say, your place is filled with sex offenders now, though, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, St. Helens? Yeah, yeah, no, no, not so much anymore. The, right. guy, the guy moved. Okay. Just toothless rednecks. Exactly. <laughs> and speed traps. With Confederate flags hanging in their windows. McDonald's play places. Owen Wilson is coming home. Just one week after being admitted to the hospital following an apparent suicide, Owen Wilson is back home and doing very well. While the actor has canceled all his public appearances, as one might expect, including what was expected to be a high-profile screening of the Darjeeling Limited at the Venice Film Festival. His director on the project, Wes Anderson, did show up to the festival and spoke publicly about his collaborator and longtime friend. We all miss him very much. Obviously, it's uh, been kind of tough the past week. He told the reporters, I can tell you he's doing very well. He's been making us laugh. What? Really? <laughs> he does what he does. I tell you this one time I cut my wrists. Ah. Th those cars are cracking me up. Uh, when he's ready, he's going to speak uh, much better than we can. 
He has a good way of words, apparently, when he's conscious. You know, he's going to get a huge paycheck for that first late-night talk show. He'd oh, totally. Well, whoever he sells his story to. Yep. That's the thing. is, Yeah, whoever whoever uh, gets to interview him. All he needs to do is be caught with a prostitute on the way. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Although I am looking forward to the Darjeeling Limited. It looks fantastic. It's got Owen Wilson, Jason Schwartzman, and uh, Adrian Brody. It's new Wes Anderson film. looks genius. Why, that sounds good. Uh, let's look at it this way. At least this guy wasn't buying a blowtorch. But the age-old adage that patience is a virtue somehow slipped the mind of a man shopping at the Home Depot in Seattle. Around 9 p.m., the man was in line at the self-service checkout stand, which doesn't work for all the things you buy there. Uh, ready to buy a pry bar and a hacksaw. Slice of what? 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 The, the, the self-service at, at, uh, at Home Depot doesn't work on every item. So what, what items does it not work on? Anything that I have with me. <laughs> Excellent. I'm, I'm the one that always holds up the line. It's not my fault. Now, and it, it, the weird thing about that is Safeway has that same thing, and that sometimes it does. Um, it is weird because things that you would not expect it to work on. Like, do you ever buy something and it's like, I'm like a bag of peas or something, and the UPC, the barcode is all bent around the side, and you don't expect it to work, and it does. Mm-hmm. But then you're trying to scan a box of cereal or something, and it just, and the thing is, it's like putting in your pin incorrectly, and then it locks up the machine. You have to, too many failed attempts. You may no longer access your bank account. We are calling the police. <laughs> and then it does it at the thing. If you try to scan the, at Fred Meyer, if you, if you scan incorrectly twice, it's like, please talk to cashier, which is the whole reason you're using the things you don't want to talk to the stupid cashier. And it makes you talk to the cashier if you got something that's marked down. Yeah. That happens to me a lot. Sons of bitches. Anyway, about uh, about 9 o'clock at this uh, Home Depot uh, self-service checkout stand, uh, the manager told an officer the man accidentally hit the button on the computer screen for Spanish. That was the tipping point for the consumer. He became frustrated the machine was speaking Spanish. So instead of asking for help, he let loose with a crowbar and shattered the computer. <laughs> he I ran for the store... Of- Toward the old railroad tracks. The uh, Seattle police officer searched with the man, but they couldn't find him. He caused about $10,000 damage and left the crowbar in his shopping cart. Every every now and again, I will pick an alternate language on an ATM just to see. It's sort of a puzzle, then, just to see if I can navigate my way through it by memory alone. Yeah, I've done it before. Works great till it spits out $1,000. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you have closed your account. Your card is being destroyed. I don't know. Okay. Yes? Are we done? Um, I guess so. <laughs> oh, you do run the news department. It's kind of up to you. I... Except for the fact that John Stewart will return to his house with the Oscars for his 80th time. Oh, this is the 80th uh, Annual Academy Award show. I don't even remember if he did it last year or if he did the Emmys. Who did I, the Oscars I, last year? John Stewart. I don't even watch the Oscars. I, I mean, I talked to Jim Roop about it the day before and the day after, and I watched the clips on YouTube. That's he was very entertaining. Was he? Yeah, he'll do a good job. Was he, uh, uh, I said Ellen DeGeneres did it last year. Yeah, you're, you're right. right. Was it last Alley. year? Movie oh. guy. Damn. Yeah. I'm wrong every so often, too. All it right. must have really been Thanks, gripping. Uh, <laughs> I remember Ellen DeGeneres doing it. Uh, didn't she do it uh, the year that 9-11 happened? Yes. And then they invited her back. She was great. Yeah, I do was. remember that. Oh, she, I love her. She's she did hilarious. it after the, the first Oscar ceremony after 9-11 because she made that joke about... Um, about being a uh, like a, a a rich, powerful, gay American woman, and therefore she was like Al Qaeda's worst nightmare or something. And I just remember that was her opening joke, which was great. Um, I do like Ellen. I think she's great. So, well, that's weird that they're not bringing her back. Well, they must figure that John Stewart has the national zeitgeist at this point. He is yeah. he's the it. Okay, the and it he man. did it. He did it two years ago because he has hosted before. I think so. All I remember is John Stewart hosting something. 
and he started to lose it about halfway through. He started to crack up and started making these jokes about, well, I'm failing miserably up here. That's all I remember. But it might have been the Emmys or something. No, yeah. he said, quote, I sucked and it was great. Okay. The last time he hosted. So there you go. Now, all I know is that Letterman did it that one time. It was never asked back, right? No, he bombed. Yeah. I liked Letterman on the Oscars. He yeah, Letterman funny. is, you know, but he's not meant for, he's not meant no. for the big stage. He is not, um, I mean, he's a mainstream performer, but he's not lowest common denominator performer. He's, he's not Jay Leno. Yeah. I mean, you know, Jay Leno, they'd probably love Jay Leno if he did the Emmy oh, or yeah. the Oscars. You know what I mean? Yeah. Art uh, Linkletter. This email says Art Linkletter. <laughs> Just roll them out on the stage. Because he's dead long time, right? No, he's still alive. <laughs> That's not true. Art Linkletter is completely dead. I think he's still alive. I think he's still alive. It's his daughter who's dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is. She's completely dead. She's she's Clapton kid. What dead. happened to her? Oh, oh, she fell out a window, jumped off a, bu- a building. Why did she jump? Did she jump she was or high fall? on the drugs? Well, at first they say she jumped, and, and then they rewrote history and said she fell. She was the poster child for don't do PCP because you'll. Think you can fly? Um, and Art Linkletter, like a bird, he is alive. Uh, he, uh, he he's like one big liver he's spot. So, at he's ninety five though. Ninety five? Uh-huh. I would have thought he was dead. I would have bet anything. He was that he born was in nineteen twelve. Yikes! Wow. Jesus. All right. That'd make him ninety five. He worked for CBS for years. Kids fall off the darndest things. I smell a corpse watch coming up. That was funny. <laughs> Do I not even get a courtesy laugh? Kids, kids jump off the darndest things. See, because he hosted. This. He hosted a show called Kids Say That. Um, this email says, Rick, was that woman Crystal Storm? Yes, she was. Said she did sound stoned as hell. You don't remember having a woman. Her bosoms were, it was like an 80 cube. No, I tend to lose interest in people who are rude to me. So if she's sitting there bitching about having she to be on an bitching. AM. Oh, she yeah, was. then I, I, that's why I don't even remember. She her. absolutely was. A, she saw a lot of people on Tuesday. Oh, someone's going to be a bitch. There's no way. Was it Crystal with a K? She'll never eat lunch in this town again. No. Was it Crystal with a K? No, it was Crystal Storm, just spelled regularly. I don't remember. But yeah, her deal is that she had size Q bosoms. Oh, they're well, huge. I'm, I'm well, Googling her, and she's not even showing up. I don't think that was the name. Star. That's because she, she wronged us. I don't think that was the name. It wasn't. Well, who? How many women with Q-sized bosoms I, could there really be in I this world? Sad. Q uh, size. Q boobs. <laughs> Is that what you're googling? Yes. Oh, I, maybe she'd like to be your friend. Attention, CBS. Should I Google, uh, Google IG. biggest boobs going to her in the world? Oh, I think oh, that's totally her. her. Yes, this is, this her. is totally her. Yeah, totally. I'm at crystalstorm.us. That's yep, totally that's her. I found her under biggest boobs in the world. Nasty. Really? It's nasty. Ew. Like triple F. Jesus. Or... Oh, she's at the... Okay, there's a Wikipedia entry on her. Crystal Storm. <laughs> uh, Crystal Storm. Is, how does it spelled? I'm sorry. Her measure... Uh, Crystal. Like C-R-Y-S-T-A-L. Storm. She's in Wikipedia. Okay. She, her measurements are 121 triple X. I with that. Jesus. She was on She was on an episode of Duckman. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's cool. Oh my God, those things are gross. Yeah, no, she <gasps> and she's really unattractive in person. And she Sarah, it like was a man. It was back at the other station, so I had just like literally like it's it was talk radio for guys. That's why we. Yeah, had I, I was closer to her than I was to Tim. It, it was, was not weird. at KOTK. It was at Max. It, yeah, it was at Max nine ten. That was just weird. Talk radio for guys is where we were. And then you also leave the toilet seat up. <laughs> and you also had uh, Rachel Rotten the same day I was in, too. You got porn stars in every time I was yeah, in. Yeah, but that what was, was that about? That was, you know, I... Um, that was back in the I'm, porn stars. I, yes. <laughs> I'm not trying to... Uh, I don't know how this will sound. I'm just saying that's... 
I was not running the station at that point, and so there were certain things that I I just did uh, because there were people above me who wanted them done. They understand the and it was a lot of hey, you'll be talking to a porn star tomorrow on your show that we could cancel, and you know that I'm in charge of. And I said, well, okay, please don't fire me. This is the Tiffany Network. I really, and then but then the lesson I learned is is that I went along with all of their dreck, and, and they they, they fire, fire me anyway. So f them. Didn't really matter. So from now on, I just don't do things I don't want to do, and I'm not trying to be like rebel without a cause guy. I'm just saying I learned that they'll fire you regardless of whether you go along with their crap or not. Right. So I just don't go along with the crap because they're going to fire me if they're going to fire me regardless. So That means I get fired too, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Um, <laughs> well, not necessarily. When they fired me from the syndicated thing, they kept Clyde. So you might have to work with Liz Wilde. Oh, that's right. I did news during that program. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Doing news alone as a teenager in your bedroom, pretending you're in radio. Yes. A news and traffic. Exactly. <laughs> She's apparently the world's most beautiful big bust feature yeah. entertainer. Are you kidding? Jesus. Well, let's have her on. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember no, us? No, Tim, we're not good enough for Crystal Stone. Some Italy no. AM station. Remember yeah, us? Yeah. But at Max, they, yeah, they, they, I mean, I won't say they ordered me, but they did say, you'll be talking to Crystal Storm. And then it was, you'll be talking to <gasps> Rachel Rodden. I Rodden. remember that I horrible think, time. And yes. I think those were all within like a month of each Rachel other. Rachel Rodden, boy, she was hideous too. Oh, she, uh, this is Rachel, the single mm. richest tiger. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you'll be appearing tonight. <laughs> you will be reaching tens of listeners with this radio station. This station was big in 1964. Yeah. <laughs> God. You can tell it's a guy station because there's a dog in our logo. <laughs> God, that was a terrible time. That was time. such a terrible time. Thinking and of, I'm sure there were, like, good things that happened, but that, like, Bush got reelected. I don't remember any of them. We had to have, like... The kitchen. Yeah. Maxine hated that station. Oh, she was like, I can't we believe you're on the station for guys. Oh, you're you know right. how embarrassing oh. it is to say you work on the radio oh, and they're like, oh, what's it? You don't work on that. You don't work on that moronic <laughs> guy station, do you? He's like, yeah, we like beer and boobs. I'm like, <laughs> I work here. I oh, remember. Man. It just said uh, we have to break here. I remember sitting in the conference room when they were, as they say, re-imaging that station, which is when they changed the name and the logo and the whatever. It's like what happened to, you know, whatever. What to this station? Because it was the, you know, Johnson, the old comedy thing, and then they changed it to Solitaire Radio. I was in the meeting where they were re-imaging that, and the program director was standing at the front of the room, and they were playing on a stereo all of the new sound bites they were going to be using. Oh. And it was like... You can never forget the shaving one. It was, shave the logo into your crotch. We're Max 910. And I remember oh. sitting in the room, and the PD was like... <laughs> he looked at all of us, and he smiled, and he gave us the thumbs up. <laughs> and then he nodded Jeez. his head, as only a former athlete can do it. Did and he was a wink, too? Was, yeah! How come all of our PDs are former athletes? Have you noticed that? Yeah. Well, except for Bruce Agler. Yeah. Was Bruce a former athlete? He was a mathlete. Uh, and so I was uh, so anyway, I'm just sitting in the conference room, and I was just sinking into my seat, thinking, Jesus, thinking I have to get on the air and try to sell this to the audience. Like, hey, we're on a great new station. Kill me. You know what, Rick? It was all made worthwhile when we got those matchbooks with naked ladies on them. <laughs> when they gave me... So that way when we wanted to promote the station, no t-shirts. With... No, it's fine. Here's a matchbook. <laughs> Did you... Here's a matchbook with some fangirls on Did it. Did you guys get a calendar with the fan reject girls? No. Was that, was that your no, calendar? No, we didn't even get a calendar. No, we didn't get a calendar. Oh, we got fangirl calendars. Got... Should we get pens? No. Was it just the matchbooks? <laughs> matchbooks and I think uh, those coffee cups that broke really easily. Yes. And then for the the station for guys, it was a talk. It was a guy talk. But then they gave us those weird brushed wool sweaters. Do you remember that? Uh-huh. No, I didn't get one. I got like a little like baby doll tee. Yeah, put this on and strut around the uh, prep area. <laughs> Boost morale. Uh, no, they gave us like these weird like cashmere sweaters with That's the Max weird. logo. It was like it was really bizarre. Do you still have all that stuff? Uh, I got it all. I kept all of it. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show, and then we have to break.
I had a question for Scott Dowling. I was curious if you'd heard any rumblings about a Clerks 1 and 2 collector's edition. Oh, God, really? Kevin, give it a break. A DVD? God damn, yes. stop it. Stop. Ta- quit becoming George Lucas. I don't think so. I don't think Smith would do that. Oh, but yeah, but he wouldn't put out a 10th anniversary Mallrats well, collection. Okay, maybe, maybe. But, but like, say, a, like, a clerk's, like, a, like a Clerks, like a one and two, like a why? DVD set. Look, I love Kevin Smith. I do, but God damn, why, why would I have, to, I have to buy Clerks a third time? I bought Clerks twice already. I've heard no such thing, but That's I That's why I, I haven't bought it yet. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm doing the same thing with Kill Bill. It kills me that I don't have Kill Bill in my DVD I collection. No, me too. But you know what? Because they're going to do that whole bloody mess. They're going to do it at the end of this year. So well, you know, God. and they're like effing us all with Grindhouse. I know. I'm so ticked about that. Yeah. I uh, hope Kevin Smith Death doesn't do that. Out. I, I know I he's got to pay for Harley's college and all, but seriously, give it a rest, pal. <laughs> all right. Thank you, sir. All right. Back after this. Scott Daly's here. Come back. Like us at 3. Don and like at 7. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Oh, is there a video of it? Oh, somebody's created a video. One day, Rick. We should we should play the whole thing tomorrow. We don't have time to do it today. We should play the whole thing tomorrow. Looking at the ceiling. Oh, I don't want to see this. Someone lays a sheet across my chest. Sarah just put a post-it note over the YouTube screen. Oh, Something I don't know Hold on, what's happening? I... It's showing, like, plane crash footage. Well, it, like what do you expect them to show, ponies? Hey, during Blood Rock, let's show some Smurfs footage. So, during the Blood Rock, so it's just nothing but plane crash footage during this? Sarah, just try, you probably just put a post-it note over the computer. That's great. When did, how long till the music starts? So we should skip right to, uh, you want to throw it over to me yeah. here? The sheets are red Let's get the money shot here. Where I'm lying. God in heaven, teach me how to Fantastic. You know, the great thing is that's going to be going through my head as I'm over the uh, whatever ocean I'm oh, over. God. Atlantic Ocean, just, uh, you know, yeah, miles from rescue. You guys are talking about the Horizon Bombardiers. Yeah. I, I fly those a, a lot for my job because I go over, like, to Pendleton or Med- Medford or whatever. And, yes, they are tiny, and usually I have to hit, sit the bulkhead seat because I'm six foot six. You know, you're most are... likely to die there. Uh, hey, it's most comfortable, so if I'm going to die, I'll be dying comfortable. <laughs> I'll die with lots of leg room. <laughs> but they serve free beer. And we're done. Beer and wine. Uh, so Filmfeverradio.com. Yes. New new episode up this week. We reviewed the jo- new Jodie Foster film, The Brave One, which, for a quick review, you see Death Wish, you see The Brave One. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, Scott Daly, uh, we want to thank CNN Radio Correspondents Lisa Goddard and Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, we'll see you all tomorrow for our final live show this week. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah X. Stone for AM 970, Southern State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Ryder, the PX Cutting J, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn. Like us next. Like us 101 at 5. Donna Mike at 7. See you tomorrow at 11. Thanks for listening. Watch out for snakes. Don't let the bastards drain you down. Bye now. Be safe. <laughs> but he's gay. In the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay.